Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life? a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, Real Lifers. Hope everyone had a nice week. I know I am feeling a lot better after things went fine on Wednesday. As you know, I live in Washington, D.C., so it feels a little bit lighter, a little bit less intense, and I can move about the city again, which is great. This week, I've got a supersized episode for you. Myself and Mallory from at Real House Pins OC have a really long discussion. I didn't even realize how late it was when we were recording. So this is a bit of a longer episode. Great while you're cleaning your house or doing some chores or on a long walk. And next week's episode is also going to be supersized because I have not one but two guests and I'm so excited about it. Before I get into my chat with Mallory, I just wanted to plug the podcast It's All Happening with Amanda. She does a great show this week, and she has Chelsea from Ono oh Bravo and Taria from What Else Is Going On on her podcast, and they discuss the state of the union of the Giggly Squad. And I mentioned on last week's podcast that Paige had made some comments uh, that were colorist in nature, and the apology kind of didn't hit the mark. And it sounds like it's not actually just the comments that she made, but also the Facebook group that the Giggly Squad had that was problematic in nature, where a few people on the Facebook page would post very openly racist things like a white woman using the N word and, and stuff like that, and they wouldn't be removed from the group. So I encourage you all to listen to this podcast to reassure some of her own personal experience with colorism that definitely um, tore on my heart. You know, it's made me realize there's a lot more that I need to do to learn about colorism and to call it out when when I see it, whether it's on Bravo shows or in podcasts or other forms of media. Speaking of Bravo shows and poor behavior, I haven't talked about Southern Charm in a while, but man, this week, the finale was something else that was very high on drama. It was um, kind of interesting. I feel like it's an anthropological experiment almost to see the reactions of the cast to Catherine Dennis having some, you know, very racist behavior. She got into a DM match with a local black radio host who was, I guess, criticizing her for promoting a like Trump rally at someone's business. I forgot what it was, but she ended up 
um, sending a monkey emoji to this black woman. But it wasn't just that. It was that she said, you know, you're using your minority status and you're what's awful about Charleston and you probably don't even know who your father is. There was a lot of very racially charged rhetoric and it was pretty awful. And so you see um, the one woman of color on the show, Lava, the, the full-time person at least, who is trying to talk to her about this. And some of the other women who are either on the show full-time or part-time are also trying to confront Catherine. But it seems like most of the male cast is used to coddling her and protecting her and she didn't understand and she didn't mean it. And it'll be really interesting to see how she reacts to everything on the reunion because she very conveniently now has a black boyfriend. And the last few seconds of the show, um, of the finale, was like six months later, and it shows her taking a pregnancy test, and then the show just ends. So if you look at her Instagram page, it does not appear that she is obviously pregnant. So who knows? <laughs> it's pretty crazy, but... I thought I would dislike this season of Southern Charm a lot more than I did. I really found it, I guess, interesting to see the behind the scenes of how everyone was reacting to Black Lives Matter and to Catherine's behavior. Um, you know, I, I, you can always guess how people would react, but to watch it um, was interesting and you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I'd love to hear from more of you to hear, you know, what you think of this season of Southern Charm and whether or not the show should come back or how it, it should look. Um, speaking of other poor behavior, <laughs> um, Emily Simpson from The Real Housewives of the OC had a birthday this week. And at her party, which was a bunch of women drinking and dancing indoors in a club in the middle of a pandemic, even though her husband almost died from it. There's this video, and I forgot who posted it, but it was, you know, with Emily and Gina's there and Kelly's there. And one of their friends flashes what appears to be a white power symbol. Um, I know it's like the OK sign, but it usually is used when it's like the OK sign sideways. And I don't know. I'm not sure if the woman knew what she was doing or didn't. I only recently found out that that's a white power symbol in the last year. But given that that's a symbol that we saw in a lot of the photographs from the insurrection at the Capitol, I don't know. I'm, I'm just so disappointed in these women. And you'll hear in my conversation with Mallory that I say that I actually really enjoyed Gina on this, um, this season of The Real Housewives of the OC. But just as I say, as I enjoy someone, she seems to be palling around with someone, you know, throwing a white power symbol. So I don't know, maybe they just need to scrap the whole cast and reboot. <laughs> anyway, if you like the podcast, uh, be sure to subscribe, give it a five star rating, write some nice comments. I see them and I really appreciate them. And as always, be sure to follow me on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. I love hearing from all of you and I promise I will respond to all DMs. So thank you always so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy my very long conversation with Mallory and that you shop from her Etsy shop. She is at Real House Pins OC, and she has such cute merch. Okay, guys, enjoy the show. Hi. 
Hi, everyone. I am here with Mallory from the Real House Pins of OC on Instagram, and she's joining me from the OC. How's it going? <laughs> good. It's going well. Uh, things are things are good down here, considering it's Orange County, and considering yesterday was a very uplifting, like we discussed, a very positive day, and the sun was shining brighter, and you know the flowers smelled nicer and everything, everything's good right now. And it's the first time I'm feeling this way. And I'm sure a lot of people are feeling this way in four years. So I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It was nice in DC. I was able to watch those fireworks from my balcony, which was pretty amazing. And I'm feeling good. I've got a lot of questions for you, though. Yeah, no, shoot. I mean, open the book. Go for it. I have so many questions about the OC. I do not know a lot about California. I know a little bit. And the OC in particular is confusing to me, right? Like, you hear stories about the OC, or you hear people be like, oh, those women are so like Orange County. But I don't really get it. Like, Orange County must be more diverse than a bunch of white Republican women, right? Like it's more than just. So, right. So I grew up in LA County and growing up, I spent a lot of my holidays. I still have some family in Orange County, but my, one of my aunts who lived in Kodo, we went to her house for Christmas every year. And I remember growing up, you know, when we would drive to Kodo, my mom and I, I'd be like, I'm never living in Orange County. Like everyone here has fake boobs. Their faces are made of plastic and everyone here is fake and I hate it. And they're all rich snobs. Smash cut to me buying my first home in Orange County. Now, that being said, all my body parts are real. I'm not rich. I'm very house poor. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure... I have my superficial moments, but I feel like Orange County is not what it used to be like 15, 20 years ago. And again, I've only lived in Orange County for five, six years. It's not what it used to be. I feel like there are a lot of people like Bronwyn. And by that, I mean a lot of like progressive liberals, not, yeah. not, not this chaos that she <laughs> recently brought to the table, but um, no, I think there's a lot of change happening. I live in Santa Ana, which I was telling you earlier, there's South County, which is where all the real housewives live. There's a small middle portion where there's seal beach and like Huntington beach and sunset beach and Huntington beach is notorious for, you know, all those MAGA rallies. And then there's North County, which is, you know, where everyone else lives. Is North County almost like suburbs of LA? Kind of. I mean, there's a lot of diversity all over Orange County, but I, like I said, I live in Santa Ana, which I'm the minority here. I'm a Caucasian woman. It is predominantly Hispanic families. And I, I mean, I partially picked Santa Ana because I used to live in Huntington beach because that's what I could afford. But it was just like, I don't want to say it was like a white power rally every day, but like it was, there was a lot of really dark shit and really 
bad people that I ran into and I saw a lot of fucked up things. And I was just like, A, I've always wanted to buy my own house. Like of the three major like things that you do as an adult or that society tells you you're supposed to do, get married, have kids, buy a house. Two of those didn't, I never really wanted. Not that I'm like against them, but I always really wanted to buy a house. And when I had that chance, I was like, screw it. I'm going to go buy a house. Like I just, and there's no way I could afford in South County. So I went to North County and it's more, it's a little more blue collar, but there are also factions of North County. Like one of the bordering cities, Tustin, they have million dollar homes. Anaheim Hills has million dollar homes. There's plenty of houses that have, you know, the grottos and, you know, the fabulousness that South County has and the money, but, and there's more diversity. So I think Bravo would benefit from maybe trying to pick a few women. And it is called Real Housewives of Orange County. It's an entire county. It's not, you know, Real Housewives of Newport or Codo. So, and I do think, I mean, when it comes to the politics of Orange County, it's kind of hard to say. Santa Ana is very liberal. Like it's pretty staunchly blue. South County, Huntington Beach is obviously very red, but South County is, it's hard to say. So I think, like I said earlier, I think there's just this new change and new wave coming. I want to say if I had to pick a color for Orange County, it would be like a very reddish purple because it's still very, there's still a lot of, you know, old school values here and a lot of old money. But then there are people like, you know, myself and Bronwyn and Kate Casey who, and it's sad that I can only name three people. (laughs) But there are a lot of people down here who want for, they want better for this area. And that it kind of reminds me of the season finale of Orange County when Kelly was like, well, then why don't you leave? I hate when people say that, like, well, why don't you just get out of here? Whether it be a county, a state, or the country, it's like, A, have you ever moved? Like, no one loves moving. It's actually one <laughs> right. of the It's the worst. Yeah. It's one of the worst things to do. I hate moving. That's probably another reason I wanted to buy a house. I was like, because I'm doing this once, and then I'm never leaving. And then, like, second of all, it's like, well, I'm not just going to leave. I'm going to stay here and try and make things better. I don't want to be like, oh, I left because it was terrible and bigoted. And I know I just said I left Huntington Beach for that reason, but Huntington Beach is a different beast. Like that that can't be conquered or fixed. And I'm sure there's going to be someone who's like, that's really messed up of you to say. It's kind of just a fact. <laughs> it's a really bad place. I don't yeah. like it. I don't recommend it. But I don't know. It's I really kind of applauded Bronwyn for being like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to just uproot my family and go to San Francisco because, oh, you're liberal, so you must want to go to the Pacific Northwest or Northern California. It's like, no, what if we made this place just as accepting and as tolerant as those places? And what if, you know, it bled down and, you know, all we can have a more tolerant society? Is that such a bad thing? So that's my right. very answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just so interesting. Also, the geography is so interesting to me because I'm like, so there are these two counties, right? There's Orange County and then there's L.A. County. And mm-hmm. how can it take five hours to drive through both of those? I mean... Technically, I guess it, I, it seems like when you said that just now, I was like, oh, she's exaggerating. But actually, if you were to start at the tip 
the most southern tip of Orange County and drive to the most northern tip of LA County. I mean, depending on if this was pre-COVID and with traffic, I mean, it could easily take you five hours. Right. It's wild to me. Like the whole traffic thing and just how far some of these like housewives live from each other and just how hard it is oh, yeah. t- to get around. It, it That is exhausting. We don't have good public transportation down here. You just, you miss your bus, you're, you might as well just go home and try and start again tomorrow. Got it. Now, before we get into this week in the Real Housewives of Orange County reunion, I wanted to ask you about your rabbit. I know that you have a pet rabbit and that Ryan Bailey took care of it over Christmas. What is your rabbit's name? When did you decide to get a rabbit? Have you always been a rabbit lover? My boyfriend was walking our dog and he was like, when he came back, he I asked, how was the walk? He says, oh, it was fine. There was a rabbit and it sniffed Foxy. That's our dog. It sniffed Foxy's butt. And I was like, seriously? He was like, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, how cute. And I was like, where is it? So we went and looked for it and we found it. This cute little brown rabbit It was in like this bush. And there are a lot of coyotes and like a handful of like, like big cats, not like tigers, but like there's yeah. definitely lions and stuff in Orange County. And I was like, Oh, that's not like a wild rabbit. That's like a pet that got out. So Jason and I spent like two hours trying to get it. And after two hours, this was over the summer. I was like, I don't care. Just if it's lived this long in the wild, Godspeed. Mother nature will do with it what she needs to do. Then fast forward to when my stepdad is like, hey, there's a rabbit outside. It's the same one. And I was like, and this was like a month later. I was like, oh, this rabbit's like a little badass. Like there are coyotes that we've seen since its last sighting, I was like, oh, this thing's a little fighter. And so I was like, I'm going to try and get it again. This time I'm able to snatch it. And I grab him and he's kicking. So like, I did not know how hard rabbits could kick. I finally grab him and my mother-in-law has Facebook and she's like part of like a Facebook city group. Like the community, like like almost like a next door. So you have like this lost rabbit. So she posts a photo and within five minutes, someone's like, that's our Lola. And I was like, you're not good at taking care of Lola. So they came and they picked her up and it was this mother and daughter. And I was like, yeah, she's been out here like bopping around for two months. And they were like, oh no, she just gets out all the time. Like she's been home like on and off these past few weeks. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that's not how I would raise it. Cause rabbits are at the bottom of the food chain. So I, I that's just not how I would let it was my like rabbit. a feral rabbit they were trying to explain like an outdoor rabbit that they would have kind of. like domestic and outside kind of Interesting. And I mean, the rabbit's very obviously a, a pet but they didn't seem to care all that much so I told Jason as we walked away I was like if I see that rabbit again we're keeping it not even a week goes by and the rabbit's in the front yard again and I was like I guess we're keeping it. If I can catch it, we're keeping it. I caught him and my, my uh, father-in-law is a pastor. So like my mother-in-law, just this sweet little pastor's wife is like, well, no, we have to post it. And I was like, Karen, her name is Karen, but she's, not- <laughs> but she's not a Karen. She would like never ask to speak to a manager. She never wants to ruffle feathers. Anyway, I was like, Karen, we don't need to post it. She posts it. And then 
the father of like this household that had the rabbit calls and is like, you guys can keep it. We just don't want him back or want her back. Our, our daughter likes our other rabbit better, which like the vegan in me, like every bomb went off. I was like, okay, first of all, like how dare you own a pet? Second of all, like if this was a child, you'd be arrested. And also what are you teaching your child? Like if you don't like something, you could just throw it away. No, especially if it's a living thing. That's not how that goes. But that's for that family to deal with, not me. So my boyfriend was having a terrible day. And I'm, like, just standing behind him, like, petting this rabbit. And I'm, like, he's going to turn around. He's not in a great mood. And I'm going to have to tell him, like, hey, instead of going out to dinner tonight, we are going to be going to PetSmart. (laughs) He turns around. He's, like, are you kidding me? And I was, like, yeah. So, like we can go pick up dinner, but then we do need to go to PetSmart because the rabbit needs somewhere to live. And he was like, okay. And it's, it's kind of ironic. We had talked about like, Oh, maybe a rabbit would be good. Cause our dog is very territorial. She's not mean. She's just like, she doesn't, another dog living here wouldn't go over well. An example is when Ryan was house sitting for us and taking care of our rabbit, he had his dog here. And then when we got home, Foxy immediately saw Ryan's dog, Brooklyn, and took a shit on the floor. Like, that's how she reacts to other dogs. So I was like, yeah, so it wasn't wasn't good. So not that they didn't get along. It's just that's how she reacts. So we were like, well, maybe we'll get a rabbit. And then this one just hops into our live. And I was like, okay. So now we actually have, his name is Bun B, named after the Houston area rapper. Couldn't tell you a song that he sings or raps, but... My boyfriend is a big hip hop aficionado. So we went with that. Also, it's, it kind of works like his name's Bun. So yeah, now we have him and he lives in his little hut and he hops around the house. He's potty. He came potty trained, which was awesome. What? Mm-hmm. He uses a litter box like a cat. I didn't know that was a thing. I like, didn't I know that was a thing all. either. I know I had to look up. Well, and that's why we had Ryan come over because like, I need someone to empty the litter every morning. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then like, he texted me, he was like, rabbits shit a lot. And I was like, yeah, again, that's why you're there. (laughs) It's so so funny. We had a rabbit growing up for a little bit. My dad is a big animal person, but my mom um, was not at all. Like she was very scared of almost any animal, like terrified. She was just, she was even of a rabbit. Oh, very, very scared. (laughs) Yeah, um, like truly terrified. And so my dad used to bring us on the weekends to the Humane Society and we would like play with cats and other stuff because, you know, we couldn't have one. And there was this little rabbit and it was so cute. And I think the workers at the Humane Society saw us come all the time and were like, oh, they would be good owners and convinced my dad to get this rabbit. So they told him that it was a dwarf rabbit and... It was not. Um, so we we bring it home, and my mom is not part of this decision-making. So she's horrified. My dad ends up, as the rabbit keeps growing, he ends up, like, sectioning off a huge part of our family room just for this rabbit. I mean, we had a huge, I guess, crate for it that was so much larger, larger than was needed, how big was the wrap? Was it like so, the size of like a wine bottle when you got it? Like no, it was okay. really little when we got it. It could fit in your hand, like in okay, two like, hands. You could like cup it. 
and coffee. Yeah, but um, full grown, it was about 18 pounds. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, I think it was like a hair. Like it was not, it did not appear to be like a domesticated rabbit. And it became very quick, like it was very obvious, like two weeks in, that it almost doubled in size. Oh, wow. It was not what we had been sold. <laughs> yeah, so no, you got a giant. My dad here. used to, so we didn't know how to train it. We didn't know anything. But my dad would put it in the backyard when the weather was nice, and mm-hmm. it would hop around and enjoy itself. But sometimes it would get loose and in the neighborhood, and then my dad would have to go looking for it. So <laughs> eventually, he figured out how to get a leash for this rabbit. And he would walk it around the neighborhood. And <laughs> that's adorable. And it would like do a few hops. My dad would walk behind and then it would hop more, you know. And my dad would like pick up its poop just like a dog. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I grew up in outside of Minneapolis and it'd be like the winter. And my father is originally from Russia. So he's already like, he's wearing this like massive Russian like fur hat that he brought with him from Moscow and walking with this little, like this rabbit. It was the weirdest thing. Our neighbors probably thought we were crazy. I mean. (laughs) This is my new favorite thing. Oh, amazing. Also, I love that your dad was able to get like a harness and a leash. Like our rabbit would like our rabbit's very cat like and I've never had a cat, but I know that they're like, you'll earn my affection. Like he's very much like I'll hop on your lap if I feel like it. If you put me on your lap, I'm going to kick you as hard as I can. And there's a lot of force in those back haunches. Oh, I know. He was just like I'm picturing your dad in like a giant coat and his fur hat putting this dainty little harness on this like 18 pound rabbit. So he ended up getting um, like a chain for it because it would bite through the leash, right? It bit through everything because it's a rabbit. It just bites all the time. And so he had this like chain, like it was just the most ridiculous. This went on for years. He would bring it to little league games. It, It was a really unfriendly rabbit. My mom was terrified of it. It got loose in the house once and she like jumped up on the couch and was screaming for us to catch it. And eventually it was not friendly. It bit through my dad, I think three different times. And eventually the third time he was like, it bit to the bone. Oh my God. Yeah. It was just not meant. I don't think it was meant to be domesticated, but eventually we went back to the Humane Society and he said, I'm so sorry. I just, I can't with this, with this rabbit. It is bit. We, when we have a little kids at home, my brother was much younger and yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of factors. Your mom's terrified of it. They're <laughs> horrified. It got bit, you know, your dad got the one human that it was interacting with. It, bit a bunch of times so obviously you know that was the right move but oh my but also i'm sure the humane study was like this is not the rabbit we gave you like you brought back a small horse what the hell (laughs) i just remember my dad is just so funny with animals he we had like he convinced my mom to let us have hamsters and then toads and all these different things that i was able to care for that were small enough that i could Mm -hmm. care for and then eventually we got a dog and um it's like the only dog my mom has ever like ever accepted into Aww. and they became extremely close. And then, oh, yeah, my mom thought that her mother's soul was in this dog. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's, you know, I've heard a lot 
weirder things, but that's and and it was a Westie that we got. Uh, we got her when she was five, and so my mom passed. And after she passed, whenever I would see Westies, I felt like it was a sign from her because it's kind of an unusual dog breed. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's why I got my dog Stassi that particular breed because it was kind of an honor of my mom. But I don't I think my mom's that. spirit is living in this dog. <laughs> But it's funny you say that. So when not funny, but it's interesting you say that when you lost your mom and that, you know, when you see Westies, you think of her when I lost my mom, whenever I see blue herons, we have like some marshes and like wetlands around here, not like where I live, but in Southern California, whenever I see blue herons or uh, white cranes, she would always, she had to drive pretty far for work. Um, Cause she had her own PR firm in downtown Los Angeles. So she would drive from where we lived in Manhattan beach all the way to downtown LA. She would drive through this like Marine marsh area. And whenever she saw one, she would call me crying being like, it's so beautiful, which <laughs> you don't know what a great heron looks like. Google it. It's, it's a very interesting bird. I don't know if it would bring me to tears with its beauty. Like it kind of looks like a dinosaur bird. They're very bizarre looking birds. But so whenever I, it's interesting, I'm glad you mentioned that because there is, I mean, not to like make light of it, but like other people who are in, you know, the DPC, as I call it, the dead parent club, I'm sure they all have their thing where it's like, you see something and it's not, it doesn't have to be parents, but it's interesting that you said that yours is an animal. I like that. It is. And it's because it was, (laughs) she died in December and not this December, but like five years ago. And by February, and I was having a real rough time. My apartment had burned down like two weeks oh before she died. <laughs> it was really it's not not a good moment. I was like um, living in an Airbnb. It was it was rough, and I like one night was just so I couldn't stop crying. And finally, it was mm-hmm. like I need you to send me a sign that you're watching over me. And I forgot that I said that. And I was like, but don't scare me. Don't like shut off lights or do anything. And then two <laughs> two days later. Um, I am walking to work and there is a man walking towards me with two Westies and I had never seen a Westie in DC at that point. Oh, wow. And I lived in DC many years and it was Uh just like, I just burst into tears. Like, luckily it was this like 50 year old gay man who totally believed that my mom had sent his dogs (laughs) to to meet me. And I love he was, that he was understanding that he wasn't like okay. He was get amazing. Um, but when I saw his husband like a few months later, and I like remembered the dogs, his husband was like, "Who are you?" It was like, "Hey, hun, some woman came crying at me about our dogs. They're her mother. I don't." I don't it was so funny. And then my I like took a picture of them and sent it to our family like little text chain and then mm-hmm. my brother started seeing them and at one point he saw three at the same dog park all owned by different owners and it just became this thing everywhere. and then we would be together and we would see them and i was like okay like this is a sign i'm getting a dog i love so, that yeah now you have stassi now i have stassi <laughs> like how we both said it, like and now you have Stassi. Stassi. <laughs> like, it's so funny, though, because in D.C., not a lot of people know who Stassi Schroeder is, but they mm. all think it's I named her after the East German secret police. And as a Jew, <laughs> I'm not sure how I, I feel about that. 
mean, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. It It is the second or third thing. But also, like, you just, you have such, like, a nice personality and, like, not that I can read auras, but like your energy is so good. I don't think I'd be like, she's a great person. Her one flaw, you should hear her dog's name. Like, <laughs> it's just like But there's just so many people in DC who are history buffs and stuff. Oh, and, yeah. and so they're like, is your dog's name Stuzzy? Like, <laughs> you're like, no. no. And then when I explain, she's like named after this, you know, reality yeah. TV star yeah. who has a similar type personality. They look at me like I have three heads and like it would have been more normal to name her after. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, man. So funny. Well, Mallory, I want to talk to you as one of the few people who has been watching The Real Housewives of the OC this season. I started not knowing if I was going to get into it. I was like, let me just see, right? We're in quarantine. I don't see a whole lot of people. And Bravo is getting me through. And so I'm like, if I enjoy it, if I'm watching it, I'm not going to stop, right? And I won't recap it if no one else watches it that I have on the show, but I'll watch it for myself. And I actually found myself enjoying this season more than I thought. Maybe it's because I thought it would be really, really bad and it wasn't. But I found myself pleasantly surprised and quite interested in the reunion. Yes, these are all horrible people, except for maybe Gina. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, so I was kind of in, well, parts of that, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I I always jokingly say with my Instagram and store name. Uh, I've hitched my wagon to this trash truck known as Real Housewives of Orange County, so I have to see it through. Um, <laughs> I love that. But here's the thing. I, and I've thought about this a lot lately, I absolutely understand people wanting to boycott it. Um, Kelly Dodd, I think everyone is not, I actually, I know not everyone is in agreement based on Twitter, but people with common sense know that Kelly Dodd is a bad person. I could use a million expletives. I could compare her to a bunch of terrible things. It's really just easier to say she's not a good person and then put a period at the end of that sentence and leave it at that. So for that reason, and she can also be very dangerous with her beliefs. So for that reason, I absolutely understand wanting to boycott the, this season. My problem with other individuals is well. Oh, and also to add on to that, Kelly's also very problematic. Like her, the drunk wives matter. Like I don't need to go into that. It's horrendous. She's making light of a very serious situation. So that's that. My other thing with the season of orange County is People, at least I'll speak for myself, I watch these shows on Bravo and other reality shows, like when I used to watch Bad Girls Club. I do not watch these shows to watch people get along and make merriment and bake bread together. If I wanted that, I would watch anything on CBS. I'd watch Modern Family. I'd watch something like that. I watch this to watch drama and mess and chaos. That's why a lot of people call it trash TV. I watch it for that purpose. I also don't watch really the majority of these women aside from like maybe Candy Burris. 
I don't watch them aspirationally. I don't watch them wanting to be anything like them. Like, sure. Would I like kill for some of their bodies? Yeah. Who wouldn't? Would I love like some of their, I stopped myself. Like, would I love some of their skin, which sounds terrible, but like, yes, some of them have gorgeous skin. Absolutely. But I don't watch these shows aspirationally wanting to be like them. I don't watch it. I watch it to, I guess, make myself feel better, which if that's bad, then I guess I'm sorry. But like, I'm also not, I watch it. It's an escape from my norm. So that's why I said this to Ryan Bailey the other day and he, he didn't respond to my text for a long time. I've actually found Orange County to be one of the most riveting seasons of all the Bravo shows on this year and not just 2020 and a lot of people are like that's a bold statement but it's like it had drama it had fights it had multiple different storylines it wasn't just one storyline of oh you know panty gate or puppy gate with Beverly Hills like oh my gosh we should be boycotting that for being lame and boring we want drama. We want a lot of noise and chaos. Orange County brought that this season. I'm sorry. They did. I, I, I kind of agree with you. I wouldn't say it was my favorite of all the, you know, franchises, but I think I had such low expectations and, you know, like a car crash, like I couldn't really look away and I definitely changed opinions on people throughout the season, um, Mm -hmm. namely Gina and Bronwyn. For me, it was Gina and Emily. I I think, correct me if I'm wrong, we both went from finding Gina to be boring and why are you here with your ramen noodle hair to, oh, you seem to be the most level-headed on this show. Mm -hmm. And like rooting for her. Really yeah, rooting for her. her relationship in her small condo. Mm-hmm. I am also so proud of her for following through with the charges of domestic violence against her ex-husband. That is not an easy thing to do. I don't think people should have to go through that if they don't want to. If they want to drop the charges, it's up to the victim. Yeah. But the fact that she is holding him accountable, and he's never been held accountable in his life, which is what allowed him to get to this point. I think that's an amazing thing. And she's standing on her own two feet, and she owns her own place. And she's raising those three kids. And she has what appears to be a healthy relationship with a man that doesn't seem very interested in fame. Yeah, he seems boring, which is, I think, a good thing. Yeah. That's, and I mean, not to bring it back to politics, but like, that's kind of what I'm looking for in this next administration. (laughs) I don't want an alert anymore. I don't. A little less chaos. Yeah. I don't want a lot of noise. I don't want a lot of urgency and chaos that, and I think that's good for Gina because obviously that's what Matt, her ex brought to the table. And like you said, I, I am proud of her. That is great. And for her to follow through with that, that's huge. And maybe her kids will have, you know, feelings about it later and they can work that out. But I'm pretty sure she has two boys and a girl. Mm -hmm. I hope that she can, that eventually she'll be able to tell those kids not to tell anyone how to parent, but like for the boys, it's like, 
no, like I had to do this to show, you know, to show that this isn't tolerated by anyone, but, you know, especially by men and that you guys shouldn't be like that because look at the consequences. If you wind up with a woman who's as strong as mom, you know, you could be in that same boat and her kids. I mean, from the time we've seen them on screen, they seem like normal children, but, and then for the daughter, I really hope her little daughter sees that like, Oh my God, mom's a badass. Like mom. Yeah. That sucks for dad, but dad shouldn't have done that in the first place. So yeah, no, I'm absolutely with you. I'm, I, I don't want to say I'll steal this phrase from the guys from watch what crappens. There's this lazy Susan of awful that they use for Vanderpump rules. I kind of apply that to all the only like Bravo Leb I will never not stand unless she does something catastrophic is like Candy Burris. Other than that, I never try and like really like back anyone for like, say like, Oh, I'll never go against them. Like aside from Candy. So like, I'm happy for Gina, but I'm also like, Mm, you haven't won me over like you need five good seasons and you you just had one so but yeah no I'm super happy for her and I hope I hope she comes back yeah I like her I mean what do you think with Emily because Emily I think always comes across great on our tv but she to me is Kelly Dodd with a brain Uh, So she knows not to say her views and her beliefs publicly so that she can keep making people think that she is as sweet and kind um, as she is on the TV. And, And to be fair, I think she can be a sweet and kind person, but her views on things from COVID to QAnon stuff are are pretty out there and you know those views have have led to violence so exactly and that's that's why emily was the other person i kind of turned on i guess i should say because it exactly what you said like she she comes across one way on our screens but then you, you go look at her twitter or you have to look at who she follows on Instagram. I've been following it for a while. She used to follow this woman who was kicked off of the entire platform well before the insurrection, like over the fall or the summer, just because of like all she did was spread QAnon conspiracy theories. And didn't she have like a QAnon Etsy shop or something like that? I feel like this woman also had an Etsy shop, which I was like, yeah, and I, I couldn't find it. So it's either it never Etsy existed. took it down. No, no, it, it, this woman basically was taken down across all platforms. So it's funny you say that. That's why I was pausing for so long. I was like, do I say how much time I spend on Instagram? But no, I so I spent I don't want to say a day, but I spent a chunk of time literally looking on Emily's on who she follows. And I was like, if it looks like a Fox News reporter, I'm clicking on it. And I found all these people that it was like MAGA this, MAGA that, like Queen of Q. And I was just like... That's the stuff. Oh, like, you what? can be Republican. You can vote for Donald Trump. It is a free country. People can have different views. But when you get into the conspiracy theory type stuff, that is what I find incredibly dangerous. And that is what I think is different about her versus other housewives that happen to be Republican and support, you know, the former president. I... I'm not sure that Kelly has, and please correct me if I'm wrong. 
I don't recall Kelly having a lot of QAnon style beliefs so much as no. just very conservative and very, I mean, I would say the closest she gets is like, maybe like COVID's a, well, I don't even think she thinks it's a hoax. I think she's real. She just doesn't take it seriously. So I don't want to say she has that going for her because that's, I mean, that's the bare minimum. Like you need to talk you need to participate in mask, wear, mask wearing as a society so we can try and get this under control. It, so, yeah, like you said, I think Kelly is one part of it and Emily is the other part. It's just Emily happens to put on a different facade where Kelly has no filter, no mask, no facade. She's like an open wound of asinine behavior. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear Andy hold her accountable um, and just ask some tough questions. I don't know why she kind of broke down during it because didn't she know this was coming? Like, it's just confusing to me. Why would she think that he wouldn't ask her questions about her behavior when it got so much attention? Well, I think part of it is because it's in person. So I think it's a little more difficult to deal with when, you know, the person is right there face to, well, not six feet to six feet or whatever. So I think that's part of it. And also I think maybe that she thought because Bronwyn had so much going on that maybe they'd go lighter on her, which based on how part one of the reunion ended, that still might be the case. But also I think Kelly thinks that because she went on watch what happens live and gave some BS PR apology that she was like, well, maybe they'll just forget about it now. It's like, no, Kelly, I don't, I don't think she was quite aware of the magnitude of like how many people a did not watch B were calling for her to be fired and C, I think there were some people who like gave up on the network entirely all because of her. I would be truly shocked if she came back next season not because Bravo wants to do the right thing, but because I'm sure they're costing, she's costing them a lot of money. And what's so interesting is, and I used to think they would bring her back, but after watching the season in its entirety, I don't think she had anything interesting happening. And so she wasn't really bringing anything, right? And what was so like fascinating about all of this is she doesn't seem to understand even the hierarchy within Bravo and within Bravo talent and which housewives franchises I think are higher up than others based on their ratings. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, the real housewives of Atlanta, I believe is the most watched franchise out of Mm -hmm. the, all of the housewives and Portia is the star darling of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And when Portia called out Kelly Dodd for her Drunk Wives Matter hat, Kelly did not know who Portia was. This happened like over her wedding. Her stepdaughter told me like she didn't know who Portia. She's like, who's Portia? Wow. So she is so removed. And I think she thinks that because she's like an OC housewife, that she's some sort of special person you know, and I don't think she gets that the Real Housewives of the OC is not as watched as some of the other Housewives franchises and that she is expendable. Like, it's just oh, yeah. wild to me that she doesn't seem to get it. And so, you know, Andy is telling her, you know, I'm getting so many messages about you. And she's like, well, I get messages about you and the things that you say about politics. And he's like, and people say you're un-American. 
And he's like, I'm un-American because I don't like Donald Trump. And she's like, yeah. And then he goes, are you worried you're going to be on the wrong side of history? And I wasn't sure if he was referring to COVID or to Black Lives Matter because it was in the context of COVID. But I feel like it was in relation to Black Lives Matter. I mean, she's so problematic. It's hard to pinpoint. And and she said, oh, my God, what do you want from me? And she was completely melting down like she couldn't handle. If you're going to say some hot takes, then stand behind your words, right? If you're going to say that, you know, wearing pants doesn't hold in a fart, so why would a mask hold in COVID, then maybe try and back that up with something if you're going to throw that out there. It's just insane. And it was also wild to me that how little time they spent talking about the fact that Shane almost died and that he thought he was going to die. And then he reached out to his oldest daughter from his first marriage and like was like, live a good life, like telling her all of these things. He really thought he was going to die. And then to see Emily just, you think she would come out and say, guys, take this seriously. But instead, they're talking about, I don't know, I get that COVID is really, the lockdowns are really hard on businesses. I 100% get that. I think that is really scary. And the suicides and alcoholism and all of that, I don't see what Emily has been doing to try and improve those things. I mean, the only thing she promotes is her working out, which I get working out boosts endorphins, but... I mean, that's, you're not, she's not doing anything. That's all she promotes. So yeah, it's, I didn't even think about it in that context, but yeah, you would think that she would all of a sudden be like, Kelly, like the love of my life almost died. Like imagine if Rick had it and almost died, you guys have just been married. Like, and I don't love when people do stuff like that, but like clearly Kelly's pretty thick. So we got, got to use pretty extreme tactics to get, through to her, but I feel like that wouldn't have even mattered. I mean, she got married during a pandemic right at, in a region that had just experienced one of the worst wildfires in all of California history. Like she just, she doesn't care. And I, Orange County is very much, there's a saying, and I don't know if it extends outside of Southern California, but that Orange County, like if you live here, you live behind the orange curtain not considered a bubble you live behind the orange curtain and I feel like she just her curtain she has four walled curtains and if it's not about Rick her daughter or her self-image it doesn't phase her which is upsetting and I if she comes back I guess I get it like they she brings a lot of attention and people talk about Orange County because of her but there is someone new now that also gets people talking So I don't think she's necessary. She's, and like, this is not, if I ran NBC Universal, I'd get rid of her because I think she's terrible. But I'm sure they're, I feel like you have to, for financial reasons, they're going to get rid of her. So we'll see. Um, So let's get into Bronwyn because, oh man, there is a lot. Let me look at what I've written down. So first we've got Bronwyn apologizing to Gina for saying her house was, you know, too small. And Gina says it's hard to believe in Bronwyn and her empowerment of women when she classifies women like by their socioeconomic status. And I have to agree with Gina on that one. And then Mm -hmm. during the 
section on talking about Elizabeth and her relationship with Jimmy, Bronwyn brings up that she has a friend who's friends with Elizabeth's ex-husband and his fiance, right? And Elizabeth doesn't even know her ex has a fiance. And it seems like she's just really into looking into rumors about other people and taking joy in other people's struggles. And at one point, um, you know, they keep saying you don't support other women, you tear them down. And she says, I hold them accountable. But yet she doesn't hold herself accountable. Mm-hmm. And that is what I find really difficult. I've been talking about it for the last few months that I've learned from people who are in recovery that there's a phrase called a dry drunk. It's mm-hmm. someone, you know, who's sober, but who continues the same behaviors um, that they had when they were um, abusing. And that like Bronwyn kind of embodies what that is. So mm-hmm. she's still like deflecting and it's never, she's never, there's always a reason behind why something happens. She can't fully just take accountability. And I don't know. And they, she says that she's an addict. She's not just addicted to alcohol. It could be anything. And all the women else point out fame. And then Andy says, it appears they're a part of your mother's narcissism that you share. And she says that she was tested for narcissism and she has a big ego, but she's not a narcissist. And then Andy says, but you're not, not a narcissist. <laughs> like, what is this test? Like, was it a BuzzFeed quiz? Cause that doesn't count. I mean, like, there are psychological like tests, you know, with the diagnostic statistical manual, but it's, di- I don't know how you could, like, if you're a narcissist, a therapist, like a psychologist, like can't get through to you. Like that's part of the personality disorder. If if she truly does have personality disorder, right? So, I <laughs> I just I listed really, like her whole rap sheet. <laughs> I really, I want to like Bronwyn, and I I think I like Bronwyn. I sympathize with her a lot because, you know, my last relationship, I was in a relationship where in not that, you know, I wound up coming out and trying to stay with him. Not, not that, but I was really unhappy and I eventually left. I am all for modern marriages and open relationships. Not that wouldn't work for me. I'm a very jealous, possessive person. Um, I just, I feel bad for her kids. They're going to have yeah. to watch football, and there's a lot of them. Um, they're going to have to watch this all play out, hopefully. And, you know, I come from a family of addicts. I'm an addict. Um, it's, I sympathize with her a lot for that reason, too. I think when you're under the influence, I think you do a lot of shit that, you know, you don't mean to. It's the addict in you. That's not excusing her behavior, but it is a fact. Um So I sympathize with her on that level. It's, I, I want so badly for her to succeed, but also, you know, it's kind of like with Luann from New York, not comparing the two, please don't slide into my DMs telling me how much better Luann is. I know this. It's like Luann just became like so full of herself and, she never really hit rock bottom. And I just feel like maybe Bronwyn hasn't really hit her rock bottom. Like 
when you brought up the dry drunk thing, there's a reason it's called dry January and not sober January. They're mm-hmm. two very different terms. We saw a lot of that with James Kennedy and Vanderpump rules. Like he was just dry. He wasn't taking, doing the steps. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're sober, you're dry with the steps, dry plus steps equals sober, mm-hmm. not drinking just equals dry. So I'm not saying she's drinking, but also one of the housewives on orange County said something to the effect of like, yeah, you can be addicted to a bunch of stuff. And then there was fame and someone said, I, I could be making this up, but I thought someone said like, Oh yeah. And substances, which it's like, uh, and we all kind of anyone who has internet knows where that's leading. And so it was kind of, I don't know. And then what gets brought up at the end, I have a lot of thoughts on that but i i feel like for her for bronwyn she needs to not come back she really needs to totally. like go to inpatient therapy yes days. yes not a malibu not a dr drew like a real rehab that's not documented her kids need to go to like Al-Anon. her husband they both need to go to codependence anonymous there's a lot that needs to be done. I'm someone who's had the same psychiatrist since I was 13. I listened to Loveline growing up. I've watched every episode of Intervention. I'm not saying that makes me a doctor, but anyone with two eyes who has watched four episodes of Intervention can see that like this woman is clearly, and it's not necessarily all her fault. And what I mean by that is obviously some of it's hereditary. Yes. She's, she's behaving so much like her mother. Yes. So, that's part of it. And I, I feel bad saying some of these things because they're harsh truths, but, and especially because, so um, for the month of December, I was running this like campaign where I was donating half the profits from my shop, Real House Pins OC to the Trevor project. And I reached out to all these Bravo labs. Some reposted it like Rina. I don't know if Rina's is that good at like technology because she was like, <laughs> Make it something I can just post. And I was like, I, I sent just, I sent you like the orange and white thing that says 50%, like just put it on your stories. I don't know how much easier to like, do you want to give me your password? I'd love that. But like, I don't know how much easier to make it for you. And she wound up never doing it, but like Katie Maloney did it. Um, I got Leanne Locken who not my favorite housewife, but you know, when it comes to charity, I can kind of put that aside I had a bunch of housewives, uh, Heather Gay, a bunch of housewives, Lisa Barlow. They all did it. It was great. Bronwyn, I haven't told anyone this story and it's going to sound asinine, but for me, I kind of took it personally because I'm trying to raise money. Like, I'm sure it comes off like, oh, she's trying to boost her own profits. Like, yeah, but also like I'm donating half of my proceeds, which I don't make a ton of this. This is a fun side project. It's not something I base my income off of. I have a real full-time job. Not that Etsy is not a real job, but so I DM'd Bronwyn and I was like, Hey, do you mind reposting this to your story? You have Instagram. A lot of people do. It's very easy to, Oh, sure. I think you actually, I have asked you to repost stuff and you have, you click, it takes yeah, probably yeah. four seconds. And I'm terrible she on goes, Instagram. So <laughs> goes, email, the email in my bio. And I was like, okay, maybe I have to go through her manager or something. And I was like, whatever. So I write an email saying, you know, 
how much I've appreciated her honesty, blah, blah, blah. And if she could just post this, it doesn't, not even to your feed, just your story. I was only running it through the month of December. So that was on December 9th, December 22nd. She gets back to me and she's like, I'm so sorry. I just saw this. Like, are you still running it? And I said, yes, through the month of December, like we just hit the $1,100 mark. If you can post, maybe we'll hit our goal of 1500. Never heard from her again. Uh, Which is like, again, it's not that big of a deal, but it's like you have, she has at least six figures worth of followers. It would have helped. I, I know it would have because every time a Bravo Lab posted, at least four or five more sales came in and people may not like her, but anyway, it was just, it irked me because it was something for charity. It's not like I was like, if I wanted money, I would have just asked her. She's rich, but I'm also not uncouth like that. So like, I don't know that just, it kind of like, stuck in my craw. I was like, seriously, like it's your, it's Instagram. It's so easy. So I think that's maybe why I'm like a little bit, like, I don't like you. I think it's a more personal thing on my end, but when it comes to her as a housewife keeper, don't change a thing. And I know that sounds awful, but back to what I said originally, I don't watch this for aspiration. I mm-hmm. don't want it to be like, oh, what a great loving family. Mm, so amazing. We need one of those. We need a Gina and everyone else is supposed to be dumpster fires. That's why Vanderpump Rules was so amazing in its heyday. They were all dumpster fires. I don't want to watch happy, shiny people holding hands. I want to watch a mess. So well, I like watching complexity, right? So I like watching people's soft side, but also see the parts of them that aren't so great. I like like the complexity of so many of like New York is just such a good example of being able to show these women as like kind and caring mothers and like awful friends or just totally like messing things up in their own, you know, personal lives. And then you see another side of them that you're like, wow. You know, like when you hear about Ramona's childhood, like it's I like complex women. That's fair. And I think that you put it more articulately or you put it in better words than I did as I stumble over my words. I for me. So it seems like you like a complex person. For me, mm-hmm. I think about the cast, like for Vanderpump Rules, we have like Ariana, who's like the pillar of any semblance of sanity. And because I think the way I phrased it it seems like I want a bunch of Jax Taylors and that's just not the case. Like that would cause me to melt down and that would be the end of times. But yeah, I think for a cast, I want a complex cast, but mm-hmm. like when it comes to like for New York, we have like Luann, she's kind of a diva. We have Ramona. She is, I don't want to say the Kelly Dodd of the cast, but like she has her problematic moments. We have Bethany who's the businesswoman. We have these complex characters. So yeah, I think we're on the same page. It's just for you, you like it more dialed into the person where I'm just like, I want to see a blender of a mess mm-hmm. when it comes to the whole everything together. With Bronwyn, it just though feels like she comes in like a tornado and everyone's in her path. And mm-hmm. I I don't know, I, I feel bad for her and family and for her for not being able to or not taking the time to get help. And the part that frustrates me about her is she is serving us this story as if, look at me, I'm sober now, I'm living my truth, I'm healthy. 
and it's not healthy. And that's what was pissing me off. Because I'm like, if you're going to speak on behalf of a movement and on behalf of like people in recovery, then at least kind of, I don't know, like live a life of a sober person. Do right by them. Do right by them. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think that Lala or James or any of these other sober people are like the perfect exemplary people, but they're living sober lives. Well, and what I've noticed about the two of them, who else? I feel like there was someone else who got sober. Carl Radke has gotten sober, but we haven't seen him on camera yet. We haven't, but what's interesting about those three is, oh, uh, Leah from New Mm -hmm. York. What I've noticed, maybe not so much with Leah, but they kind of aren't on Instagram quite as much. They're not, you see a lot less of them. And what that, as much as I, I really don't like Lala, but I think she's good for reality TV, but I think she and I, she's not the type of person I would want to be friends with, um, to me, that says that they're working on themselves. They're not working on their image. They're right. working on themselves. For all I know, they could have private profiles that, you know, Lauren Kent instead of Lala. Maybe she still posts there, but she, they're not doing it for an image. They're doing it for themselves to get better. And I honestly, from what we know, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for Bronwyn. I'm not rooting against her. I'm rooting for anyone who's trying to get sober, but for them, I'm, I could see it sticking. Like, it seems like they're really doing the work. And I remember James, I believe he said, he was like, I have to do it for Raquel. And I remember thinking, I was like, I think he wants to also do it for Raquel. Like, it seems like he wants to do it for himself and he wants to break the pattern. Cause obviously his mother, I mean, that mm-hmm. yeah his dad you know i don't know if there was substance abuse issues there but he worked in the music industry so one can only assume so i mean i'm happy for them it just like you said with bronwyn it's it doesn't appear the same and that's why it, everyone has questions and also there's a lot coming out right now with her it's these paparazzi photos which i know i've only lived here five years but I've never once seen any. They're staged. They're obviously staged. That's what I'm saying. So frustrating. Well, and she's saying that they're not. And it's like, and I guess that's where I get frustrated. I'm like, I guess I have to side with Kelly. I mean, I'm siding with common sense on this, but Kelly's right. Like there's no, first of all, you're a two season housewife. So if they were chasing anyone, I would assume it would be Tamara, but they're not. So there's that. So there's the paparazzi. There's coming out, which, I mean, that's great. I, I have nothing bad to say on that. But it's just, there's this avalanche coming at once. And it's just like, I feel like, not to tell someone how to live their life, but maybe it should have been like, she didn't come back this season. Or maybe she did do this season and then doesn't come back next season. And then, you know... Bravo, because Bravo follows up with all the old housewives. They'll follow up with Lori Peterson if she has something to say. But, like, come back and be like, hey, I got sober. I came out. I have a girlfriend. My kids went to, you know, Al-Anon. We're working as a, like, come out with this, like, sweet story. Don't be like, for it's all fireworks. It's all very intense and hot and loud. And it's like, I've never seen anyone get sober this way, but you know, everyone's journey is different, but this one seems a little peculiar, which again, I feel so shitty saying that, but it's just, there's something that seems 
I do think she's an addict that I will say, I think that's where Kelly's wrong. I yeah, don't for sure. So many other storylines. This is not the one that is faked. And I don't know. It's just, I want her to get help, but also I want to watch the mess. That's part of the reason I want Vanderpump rules to come back. Give me the mess. But I don't know if, I don't know. And then obviously what was alleged at the end is, so was she alluding so at the end um shannon comes out and says that a few years ago when they were at a barbecue bronwyn who was drinking at the time went up to her daughter stella who at the time was 14 and said if you want the good stuff text me so i'm assuming she's uh alluding to cocaine because that's what people have said but then shannon came out being like it wasn't she never offered my daughter cocaine so <clears throat> I, I've heard, I went on Reddit last night, someone, or maybe it was Instagram. I did go on Reddit last night, but someone said that it might've been Molly, like MDMA, which I was like, I just, if it's not cocaine, then it's definitely not MDMA. Like that's a huge, not a huge leap, but like that's really intense to offer that to a 14 year old. It's intense to offer any drugs to a 14 year old, but like, Oh, I would think it would be Molly. I would think that would be something that uh, she'd be into taking. Right. Especially because I think her mom is into hallucinogens. And, yeah. You know, psilocybin and stuff. But I don't know. Just like, I mean, I hate to put myself in this position, but if I were to offer drugs to a kid, it would either be marijuana or cocaine. I would never be like, no, for sure. Like 14 year old, let's give you essentially. <laughs> I just, I don't know. That's, cocaine seems like, so intense step? too. The next step is offering the child heroin, like, which again, all of these are terrible, but here's, okay. So what Bronwyn did, obviously she kind of fesses up to it, but what my problem is with Shannon here, and I've really grown to dislike Shannon over the past few years is when she was getting her makeup touched up in the like trailer outside, she told John Jansen, I'll never forget his name because she said it 50,000 times. Like, well, if I have to bring up the Stella issue, I will. And I was like, so you're bringing up this story to make Bronwyn look bad, not because it was a fucked up thing for Bronwyn to do. That's at least what that told me. That's what I got from that. It's, And it happened two years ago. Like, so I'm seeing it as, and it's funny, my boyfriend does not watch um Bravo. He watches it like out of the corner of his eye when I force it to be on our television. Even he was like, it sounds like this woman was just holding a no win card for two years and was like, okay, and now I'm going to play it. And some people are saying that Shannon just found out. I'm not a mother, but if someone, if I found out five minutes before the reunion, I would be telling producers I would be telling Andy, I'd be like, I'm not filming with this woman. She offered my child. Well, apparently she didn't offer her drugs. She offered her a phone number to get the good stuff because she knows the best dealer in town or whatever. I wouldn't film with this woman. So what Bronwyn did, if this is true, is super terrible and awful. And for a multitude of reasons, but also she has children like CPS could get like, this is bad. But I don't think Shannon is 100% innocent. I mean, she's mostly innocent. But you had the, you, 
And I found, so I went on Instagram. She posted photos with, um, here, I'm pulling it up just because I need to remember. On May 24th of 2020, Shannon posted a photo of Sophie and Bronwyn. Bronwyn brought her balloons. On March 31st, there's a photo of Bronwyn and Shannon dancing on a table that Shannon posted. If someone offered my kid drugs, I would never post photos with them. I would never speak to them again. That's just Yeah. So I'm like, did you get over it? I have a feeling what happened, and we'll find out if I'm wrong, but I have a feeling what happened is Bronwyn drunkenly said, like, oh, if you want the good stuff, like, I have a number for you. And Bronwyn was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I was drunk. I shouldn't have done that. Because everyone was still enabling Bronwyn, they forgave her. And now, because everyone hates Bronwyn, Shannon was like, wait a minute, I have this one card. I'm going to play it, and it's a no-win card for Bronwyn. Bronwyn fucked up. I'm not defending her. I'm just saying Shannon's going about it in a shady way, the way she does about a lot of stuff. But I think they all have certain things that happen, that they all know happen, that they don't bring up on camera, right? Like, there were a lot of allegations potentially around why people were upset with Tinsley and why people didn't want Tinsley and Scott to be together. And that never really came out on camera. And so I think we can talk about that offline, (laughs) but I think I was going to say, I was like, I don't remember hearing that, but okay. But like, I think there are things that they just don't talk about sometimes. Like as a, as a group, they decide this is too damaging to our show that we're not going to bring it up. Or for whatever reason, they're trying to protect each other. And I think things got so bad with Bronwyn that they just decided to break it all down. Or what my thinking was, was maybe Stella heard her mom and John talking about Bronwyn's drinking issue and how she seems like, you know, all of the stuff and she lies and she's been lying and things like that. And then maybe Stella was like, well, I didn't want to tell you, but two years ago this happened. And so it was like once um, Shannon and Bronwyn weren't speaking because it appeared that there was something that happened and they stopped speaking. Cause she even said during the reunion, well, I didn't go to you because you weren't talking to me. Interesting. So I have a theory that like Shannon found out, you know, in the months over the summer at some point. Maybe. But who knows? This is all very unusual. And And also, I mean, that kind of goes back to like, these women clearly aren't friends. Like, I I mean, my friends know some really dark stuff about me and I know really dark stuff about them. Like, we've gotten in fights and we've gone, you know, one of my best friends, she and I, ages ago went three years without talking to each other, but we're like sisters now. And, but I never, not once would I have been like, Oh, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever. Like there's just certain things that no matter what depths your friendship, I mean, obviously, you know, if someone murdered someone, then that, you know, there's lines, but I just, that goes to show that these women aren't really friends. Like, I would never divulge certain things to be like, well, I'm going to stick it to you like this. Cause once you, once the toothpaste is out, you cannot put it back in. I don't think the housewives of the OC have ever had real friendships with each other. It has always been, 
your friends because of the show and you're in a certain order of like kind of who has the most power and um, just the reason that you know, Shannon stopped being friends with Vicky and Tamara. And yeah. it's like, come on, you were like so close. But as soon as they're not worth anything to her anymore, then she's not friends with them. So exactly. and I think there's like, I think uh, what's her face is who's like the face tuner Gretchen. Uh, <laughs> I think Gretchen and Alexis, I think they were actually friends. And then I think, like, I think, and I'm not poo-pooing religion. I'm not a religious person, but, you know, some of these ladies are very, very into their faith, which that's great for them, not my thing. But I think some of the more religious ladies are very close. Like, I think Lydia, now it's hard to tell with Gretchen because Gretchen is just a thirst trap. So she'll comment on literally anyone's page to get attention. But I think like a bunch of the women who... Like Lizzie and Lydia and then Emily. I think they're very close. I also think politics have a lot to do with it. So, but I mean, I would say friends. I would not say good friends or, you know, besties or anything like a sister. So, I mean, it seems like Gina and Emily might be developing. But yes, Yes. you were saying is going into it. None of them like, oh, yeah, we've been best friends for 15 years. It's like, no, you guys met at Coffee Bean two days ago. And that's (laughs) how friendship started. So So, speaking of friendships, I wanted to ask you some things about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And then we'll get into Dallas. But in terms of friendships, it appears that there's like these two groups forming on Salt Lake City. We've got Meredith and Lisa, who are, you know, the they think the popular girls or whatever, they almost act sort of like mean girls in high school who are like too cool. And then you've got Whitney and Heather are good friends. And Jen, I think knew Whitney, or at least knew Heather from beforehand, and had been friends, but then met Meredith and Lisa through filming, and I think finds them very aspirational. And all of this kind of like becomes a mess when Whitney says at Jen's husband's birthday party, hey, Mary said that Lisa and Meredith are afraid of you and they've been talking about you. And Jen is just completely blowing up. Um, and she's this episode takes it out on Heather. Kind of like she even says to Heather, you know, Heather's confused. Heather's like, I thought last episode we all made up. And, you know, she's like, you're covering for Whitney. You don't stand up with, like for me. Um, and it's so interesting. Jen says, you're putting your reputation on the line for Whitney and basically insinuates that all of the women are only friends with Whitney because of Heather. And yeah, uh, basically, Heather says, Jen's idea of a good friend is a henchman. Basically, you're on my team or you're dead. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you think of Jen and Jen's idea of friendship as it relates to the housewives? I, so... I know I said that, you know, I think Orange County is one of the most interesting shows that has been on Bravo in the past year. And Salt Lake City came out with such a bang. Like there was the bar was set so high. Everyone, the first episode, people were like, their faces were melting off. People were like, this is the greatest thing that's happened in quarantine. And I was right there with everyone. After like the first three episodes, I was like, And again, I know this is a new franchise, but I was just kind of like, what's happening? And we're getting to know all the women were laying a foundation. I understand that. But I was just like, 
even like for some reason, like Mary's storyline, I was like, okay, so she's married to her step grandfather. I've made my peace with that. Cause from the way my brain works, I'm like, if something is so chaotic and nuts, like the insurrection, like there was a point where I had to be like, this is happening. And I turn it off. Like I, cause there's nothing I'm, I don't want to say I'm a controlling person, but I like to be in control. So if I can't understand it, I'm like, okay, this is the facts and we're done. So with Mary, I was just like, I can't even wrap my brain around that because, and yes, they're not related. Thank goodness. But I mean, that is her step grandfather. Like, I can't even finish the sentence because my, <laughs> my brain is like, what, what do you want to do with that information? My right. brain is like, Mallory, where do we go next? What do we say? Like, that's it. That's the end of that. So with Jen, I really, I like her. I, I like her personality. Part of me worries that she's doing too much. Like she knows yeah. she's on a housewife show and she watched Tamara throw a glass. She's watched housewives do this and call each other names and, so she's like, I got to do these things. Like the times I believe she's thrown a glass twice, which I'm like, you're doing a lot of that. But the second time she did it, it almost felt like she was like, I have to do this now. Like now's my time. And it's like, it it just felt so unnatural. So I worry that she's playing up for the camera, but also, so when it relates to the other women, Jen, I think she has, I don't want to say a lot of problems in her marriage because I mean, no, no I think she has a lot of problems in her marriage. I will say it <laughs> I'll stop right there. I think, <clears throat> I mean, no relationship is perfect, but I think, I think there are definitely some issues in her marriage. Like I think when you marry someone, I mean, the, the person I've chosen to spend my life with has a very normal job. So he's not gone for months or weeks at a time. But I think if you marry someone, you know, an actor who's going to have to be on set somewhere for months or an athlete who's going to be gone for, you know, big chunks of time, you have to kind of understand that going into it. And Jen's not dumb. She knows what she's doing. She knows who she married. They haven't been together like for two years. So I think this is finally starting to eat at her. And I think she feels safe saying it. Not that her husband seems like abusive or violent. I actually think her husband is a great guy and she seems, excuse me. She seems very, she seems much calmer around him. And I think she gets really upset that he's gone. And that's why these lashing, this lashing out happens, but she amplifies it because she knows there's a camera there. So it's getting difficult for me. I'm like, are you guys going to work it out? Cause like Seth and Meredith, I, I won't, they're going to be divorced at the end of the sentence. Like, their relationship seems so bizarre to me. They don't like when he gave her that rose a few episodes ago and she woke up and he was like, because we're blooming. And then they did like this like soft kiss. I was like, Oh God, I need to go take a shower. I was like, that's no. <laughs> bad acting best. So I, in relation to the other women, I think she finally feels safe. Cause she's like, I can say this to these women and I know they'll be around me because we're filming. So I'm not going to be alone. I, I contractually, I can't be alone. So she'll, she'll have that void filled when also I'm not quite sure what she does for a living. So I think if, if she and Sher- Sharif's her husband, right. Mm-hmm. I think if they were to split, I'm not sure what she does. And that's, I'm not being rude. I, I, 
I don't know. What, it's so it hasn't been revealed. I don't know. And then, but um, this week, Heather was on Watch What Happens Live and was asked this, you know, by a viewer that, you know, it always appears that she's kind of like doing things for the camera. And Heather basically said, this is like who she is. And this is how she acts when there are no cameras. Like That's this level of um, freaking out and getting angry and acting out. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I think Sharif appears on camera like a really lovely person. But something I think is wrong with him if he didn't drop everything to support his wife when her father died. Yeah. That I, like th- it doesn't matter that you have a job. It doesn't matter that you're responsible for football if you don't put your family first at those moments. It's not missing a birthday here or there or an anniversary or anything. This is death. And so that and then the fact that he didn't figure out that it was like causing all these problems with her uh, that's wild to me. Like if you're someone that's supposed to be work with all these student athletes and support them and you can't witness when your own wife is struggling or you tell her that she's struggling, like she's like, my family made me go on antidepressants. Like my family said, you know, that, that I was, and this is all in the last year after her father's death. A lot of people experience profound grief and depression following the loss of someone and I don't know, I just think it's unusual that he didn't show up and he wasn't there for her in her time of need. I feel like I'm talking to like my Bravo therapist. You're so smart. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right because like I didn't even think of it that way because he so I saw on Twitter last night, Jen said something about like who wouldn't be interested in a man Oh, the guy that she set up. She set up Heather with this guy. You, you, you're behind um, an episode, but she set um, Heather up on a like a blind date, on a double yeah, date. This guy, no, is he friends with Sharif? Yes. Is that, so here's my theory, based on what you said. I wonder if maybe Sharif has that athlete mentality of like, you know, winner go home, like. There's no room for, you know, feelings and soft spots. And, you know, I I don't know if he played in the NFL. I, I, I think he's played football and I don't want to like go into the CTE territory, but like maybe there has been some jostling around, you know, in his head and I'm not trying to make light of it, but like maybe, maybe there is that mentality ingrained in him where, He's like, we don't have time for feelings. You know, it's winter, go home. We we don't want to look weak, this, that, and the other. And it's like, it's okay to have feelings. Like, But he doesn't act like that with her. He's very... Well, maybe he's, behind closed doors is... You're right. Maybe, but he appears to be kind and caring. But then I find it odd that... Also, I've said this before, but I feel like... I don't know if she's always acted this way, but I'm wondering if since the death of her father, she's acting more and more childlike, like throwing tantrums, wanting to have sleepovers, um, trying to, it's like she wants someone to um, like father her or mother her. Um, and oh. I think she's like acting out so that she gets attention, whether it's positive or negative, because then there's someone there and, 
I don't know. It just seems like wildly unhealthy. And I hope he is able to, I'm not saying she is devoid of any blame. Like you shouldn't, she should, you know, take accountability for throwing the glass for she's the one that ruined the party. She did not react well to that information. And she let it get so out of hand that she embarrassed her family. And she had to be taken home by one of her sons. Like that is on her. That's how she reacted to that information. But at the same time, you know, she's acting out in response to him not, I think not being a good partner when it really mattered. Like, for me, like, I would never, I couldn't stay with someone that didn't drop everything when I had a parent die. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, wild. (laughs) Yeah, my mom passed away, oh, God, back in 06. So it's been quite some time. But, like, Jason knows that, like, there'll just be some times where, like, I'm, and I mean, it's been a long time, but, like, I'll just start crying. Yeah. And, like, he knows that, you know, I, I don't want to be smothered with a hug. I just, I need to feel this feeling and either it'll pass or, you know, I'll, you know, cr- crawl over for a hug. But I just, yeah, when it comes to the death of a parent, it, it becomes very important to deal with it in the way that that person needs it dealt with. And obviously he's ignoring it. Um, I, I'll give her a little leniency because I mean, Whitney was just doing her job as a housewife. (laughs) I know. I know. But also it's hard. So Whitney and I went to the same college, not at the same time. And I believe she was a commuter student. So she didn't live on campus, but I went to St. Mary's college in California. No one's ever heard of that school. Unless you watch um, NCAA basketball, we made it to the sweet 16 once. And that's that. So when I found out she went to St. Mary's, I was like, oh my gosh, she needs to be like a speaker. I'll go. It'll be amazing. I was so excited. And like two people that I went to college with were like, that's, that's awesome. Everyone else was like, you have an obsession. You need (laughs) Like, who is she? How are we supposed to know her? (laughs) like, Like NBA champions have gone to our school. I'm like, no one cares about that. There's a housewife. But anyway, so I mean, I think I have like a soft spot for Whitney in that regard, but also like Whitney is bringing realness again, back to like sobriety and addiction. She's bringing realness. It might not be her, but she's bringing that to the table in dealing with a loved one who's struggling. And I mean, again, I'm not any sort of Dr. Drew, but not that he's like the go-to, but you know what I'm saying? He I think he is still really struggling with it. Cause as we saw in that one episode, he was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I, I don't want a roommate. So I mean, I just need to go back to my salon business. It's like it, you haven't even had like a meal here. What are you talking about going out and starting a business? Like you haven't even lived in a halfway house. What? Yeah. He's got, so, he's difficulty taking accountability for the things he's done over the last decade. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, I, I appreciate her in that regard. And then when it comes to Meredith, like I said earlier, Hurst, don't get me. I won't. You can ask. I will sit here in silence. You can ask me about Brooks. I won't speak on him. He <laughs> boils my blood to no, to no end. He's just, I can't stand him. He, I feel like he's using his mother and that's all I'll say on that. But when it comes to Seth and Meredith, like I don't, I think that it's 
an acted storyline. I don't it think is, they're going to yeah. stay together. Yeah, they're not going to stay together. And then Lisa, Lisa's, I like her, but she's very bizarre. Like, I almost feel like she was just let out of an underground bunker four years ago. Like, every, she seems to be very like, oh my God, like everything's new and surprising to her. I'm like, how how long have you been on this planet? Like, is this whole new team? <laughs> very like wowed by everything where, I mean, this is sad to say, but I'm like, it takes a lot to like surprise me and impress me these days. So I'm just like, like when they went to the aquarium, she was like, oh, wow. I was like, have you never been to an aquarium? You're an adult. That seems bizarre, <laughs> so, but I like her. And also like side note, she, someone must have sent my Instagram story to her because I said like, Lisa Barlow's tequila is tequila and just that because I tried not her the one that she's been hawking online one of her other brands you Dodd. and so I went out and I tried it and I personally really didn't like it like and I'm not some sort of aficionado but like I've tried really high-end ones I've tried low-end ones and I've tried cheap tequilas that taste better than $400 tequilas so I tried it and it just it wasn't very good so we wound up cooking with it which that's what I'll say to that. But someone sent that story to her, which I was like, okay, whoever did that, not cool. But it wound up working in my favor because she was like, what's your closest total wine? Which I don't know if you guys have total wine in DC. It's like a binny. It's like an alcohol emporium. And she was like, tell me your closest location. I'll have a bottle of the Añejo set aside. Two days later, she was like, here's the order number. $90 (gasps) bottle of tequila. I was like, what? Yeah, my boyfriend and I were doing dry January, but yesterday, obviously, there was cause for celebration. So we tried it. it I will say, whoever sent that story to her, send her this podcast. It was <laughs> a lot better. And also, she knows what she's talking about. Like, she sent me notes on how long it's aged, what it's aged in versus the one, the Reposado that I tried versus standard. Like, the bit, I don't know. She knows she her tequila. She does. And I was impressed, like not like some manager who works an hourly shift at like a liquor barn. The bitch knows what she's talking. I was very impressed and I'm still unclear if she drinks or not. I think she does, but I think she's been wary of drinking on camera. And I don't think drinking is like a huge part of her. I don't know. Personality. personality. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and for that, I, and I put something on my Instagram recently and maybe you can speak to this, but, and I know you said you don't use Instagram as much as you use Twitter, but I feel like, I don't want to say we're being bought, but like, I feel like this new batch of housewives, I've never seen so much swag given out. Like Jen Shaw is like mailing fans, like uh, jumpsuits that say Shaw squad. Like Lisa Barlow is sending people tequila and buying me tequila. Like, I've never seen housewives do this kind of stuff. Like I don't, did anyone get free skinny girl? I know. I need to be on Instagram more because (laughs) like, I was like, I think it's so bizarre. Like I think Ryan Bailey got sent like some of Luann's skincare. Like I think, I don't want to say we're being bought as fans, but I think it's very interesting. Like if Bronwyn had a product and sent it, or if Kelly Dodd had a product and sent it to me, I'm sure I, well, I don't know. She's really bad. Maybe not Kelly Dodd, but like Ramona, if she sent me something, oh my gosh. Ageless. No, if Ramona sent me some true faith jewelry, I would stand her to the end of time. I'd be like, (laughs) 
We're going all the way back. All the way back. My in-laws would love it. They'd be like, oh, she's wearing a crucifix, finally. But um, I'd be like, yeah, it weighs 15 pounds and it's full of cubic zirconia. (laughs) Like, I feel like the housewives are starting to, I don't want to say buy our loyalty, but like, I will say if Lisa Barlow hadn't, she's a bad example because I kind of put it out there. Let's see. If Brooks Marks sent you a Brooks Marks tracksuit. <laughs> Bad example. But no, a good example would be like Meredith. Yeah. If, and it's, I looked at Meredith's jewelry. I was like, oh, maybe I'll snag myself something. It's like, no, you have a mortgage. You can't afford that. Her one earring costs as much as my mortgage. Like her stuff is really expensive, which makes sense. It goes like to Rihanna and stuff like that. But like if, even if Meredith sent me like, a small necklace I'd be like that was really nice of her but like that wouldn't change the fact that I found her interesting but I would still have that soft spot so again I don't think we're being bought but I do think it's worth noting that a lot or Tiffany Moon great example we're getting more like I know of Instagram accounts who are getting her candles from her they're sent for free so I'm like are you trying to buy our loyalty like I don't know I just I find that a little bizarre because again Cynthia Bailey, I don't see her handing out stuff. Bethany, she can afford to and she didn't do it. So I don't know. It's worth noting. It's interesting. I think that there are like a new class of housewives and they spent a lot of time paying attention at BravoCon. And I think they realize like, oh, there's a market. There's like a group of people that watch these shows and buy these products. And if we can get people to understand that these are real products that you can actually purchase that are good as opposed to, cause you know, there's so many storylines of fake businesses throughout all oh, yeah. of the, you know, history of housewives. And all of a sudden it seems like there are some legitimate ones happening and they're like, let's get in on it. And I feel like there's this group of them, especially between Dallas and Salt Lake, like they're all talking to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's just fascinating, like, especially with and then Dallas and the OC. I don't know. It's just well, interesting. It is, it is someone pointed out to me on Instagram. It is a free commercial. Like I just spent two minutes talking about Lisa Barlow's tequila. That was free advertising for her. So mm-hmm. I mean, that there is another reason they're doing it. I will say, and then we can move on because I know I'm like diverting. The one housewife product. I've tried a lot of housewife products. The one I bought that I was most blown away by was Lynn Curtin. I didn't buy any of her cuffs because it's not 1998. I bought a pair of her earrings and a necklace from her new collection, which I feel like a jackass just saying that. I was very worried. I was like, oh my God, this shit, like it's going to turn my ears green. My neck, it's going to look like I drew on it with a green marker. No, like they're, I get compliments on them. They're lightweight. They do not, I don't work for her or anything, but worth, and I, and it was kind of affordable. It was like 40 bucks for the earrings and like 40 for the necklace. It's a cute set. I get compliments on it and it doesn't turn my skin green. Nice. And I mean, it's curtain, the woman who got evicted on camera, like good <laughs> for her for still being able to make a good product. Like, and Gretchen, Christine Butte, like, where is that? It's in a dumpster somewhere. So anyway, Lynn is one of my like, I, her and Candy, two of my ride or die favorites. So 
anyway, I just wanted to give that plug from one of my favorite housewives. Well, speaking of candy, should we talk about Atlanta? Yeah. So it, it's interesting. I feel like this season is a little tough because not only is it during COVID, but I think they're trying to make Cynthia carry the season. And I just don't think Cynthia can carry a season. And so the stories that are alongside her about the wedding are so like it appeared a little contrived. So this episode, she talks, uh, she confronts her mom about inviting her father to attend the wedding. And I feel like if this wasn't all on camera, she wouldn't have done it. She apparently has no real relationship with her dad. Her daughter has met the grandfather once in her entire life. And I guess things got pretty rough a few years ago when her mom did a domestic violence um, public service announcement uh, for Kenya Moore, and she mentioned that, you know, her ex-husband had been violent with her. And so, like, you're going to invite your father to your wedding, who you have no real meaningful relationship with, and your mother was hurt by this man. It'd be different if it was like you had this relationship with, you know, one parent and they Mm -hmm. had a problem between the two of them. But it's just like so awkward because it appeared that her sister was uncomfortable during this conversation. Her daughter was uncomfortable and her mom was uncomfortable. And I felt like she was doing it almost for the cameras. And I just didn't think that was who Cynthia was. When it comes to Cynthia, I, Cynthia's, a housewife I really want to love and this is going to sound shallow but I really love her for her exterior she is one of the most stunning yeah. housewives we have ever had she's not aging I where is the fountain of youth that she drinks from on a daily basis I I need it she's stunning she's I don't want to say a great businesswoman because I feel like we had the sunglasses and the backpacks and then the wine cellar and nothing seems to happen from those or come of those after one season, obviously with the wine cellar and COVID that's difficult, but she's never had after like, she's never really had a storyline. Like I think it was one of her first seasons, her first or second, she had the whole like Mal and which by the way, I hate sharing a name with her sister because her sister seems so uninterested in everything and such a <laughs> like, why do we shit like no you're giving our name a bad rap but like her mom and mal were like thinking of not giving her the uh marriage license oh but, like, yeah back when that, she married peter yeah yeah but other than that i'm like oh. she's just kind of along for the ride and she's good as part of like a what, an ensemble what, like an ensemble right she's not the main center peach holder and if we right. didn't have the like Portia and Kenya tension I feel like we would have nothing this season like this season has been pretty slow like we knew there was gonna be a lot of Portia stuff but I mean other than like you said other than that now granted when we get to like the part where there's sleeping with or potentially sleeping with yes that'll pick up that'll be interesting but again we already know it's coming and so many people have said like i wish they would take their phones away or at least like i almost wish 
all Bravo Lebs had like a secret, what is it called? Like a Finsta account, like a secret account. They can post all they want there and they'll vet everyone that follows them. But we know like that that's about to happen. And it's kind of a bummer in that regard. But back to your original question with like Cynthia trying to develop the storyline. It, I think she knows she's never really had a good storyline. And like, even like when Mike proposed to her, it's like, okay, we've seen proposals on housewives. Like this is nothing new and we're all happy for her. But, okay, so you got engaged. That's great. Like, And I think she's, like you said, trying. It didn't seem natural. And she's trying to make a storyline. And it's like, Cynthia, your storyline is your wedding. You don't need to do any more than that. But also, I don't know why Bravo would try and hang the season on someone being so irresponsible. Like, Well, and they pulled out of filming. So they were going to film her wedding, and they pulled out in the few days beforehand. It wasn't even filmed. She got her own camera crew in there. Oh, God. See, I I don't know. It's just, again, that's her, in my opinion, trying to make a storyline. It's She knows, and we've already seen her get married once, so it's kind of a not a great attempt. Like, we saw you get married at a dinosaur museum, which (laughs) I could do a whole podcast on that. Like, that was a bizarre choice. I think it was, like, donated, or it was free for them. But I just, I don't know. With Cynthia, like you said, I like having her along for the ride. I'm so glad she's there. I would be very bummed if she didn't come back. But also, I feel like if she did leave, eventually I'd be like, oh, that's right. Cynthia was on the show. Like, she's, she doesn't bring that much. But also, yeah. like, Portia, it's, I love Portia. But again, I wish, and there's this tough balance right now with using your platform to do good and you know spread positivity and you know what you can do to be a part of a movement there's a fine line between that and like okay but you know we don't want to see everything like obviously we would we would have heard her getting arrested that that would be hard to keep quiet but I wish there was just some like some surprises in store but we all know what's coming either next week or the week after like or I don't know when but like uh, what's her face? Tanya and and Portia like get together with the stripper. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I'm looking forward to it because we don't know all the details, but it's like I know it's coming. So we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I, Atlanta is a little slow this season. But then but, that's why I'm still hanging my hat on. Orange County brought a lot of drama. <laughs> so what do you think of Dallas then? Because we're only a few episodes into Dallas. I caught up on Dallas today. I've, I've been behind on Bravo shows because when you have an Instagram account and you listen to all the Bravo podcasts and you have a merch shop, it becomes like kind of a job and it gets a little, it gets to be a little much. So I took a little, I haven't been doing just Bravo. I've been binging other shows, but um, I caught up on Dallas today. I'm liking Dallas they're trying to paint Carrie as an asshole and she has asshole tendencies, but I'm really having a problem with Cam and then a little bit with, uh, it's funny. I almost called her Dr. Moon, which I guess I can call her that. She is a doctor. Um, just, I agreed with, uh, 
Stephanie, when like we saw her closet, she was like, oh, you remember they had that like thing where you could make your own Chanel or Gucci or whatever brand it was. Well, here's mine. And like, look at my closet. There's a fingerprint. Like that was a lot. And I understand, I think, well, I know the original concept for housewives was, you know, these women who live larger than life have all this money. But I just feel like in the times of COVID, I'm just like, there's so many people that have lost jobs for you to be like, look at my custom made thing that I made at like this fun little event. It's like, and not that she doesn't deserve it. You know, she went from not speaking a lick of English to being an accomplished doctor in America. Like that's, I didn't even finish college. Like that's huge. Good for you. Like I'm not taking away any of her accolades and same with like Dr. Wendy on um, Potomac. Potomac. Yeah. He deserves I don't have one degree. If you have four, you're like the smartest person I know. Like, talk about your degrees all you want. And I understand it's annoying, but, like, that's a huge accomplishment. So not to take away from her, it's just – and, again, maybe if we weren't in COVID, I wouldn't feel this way. But it's just – it's kind of icky with, like, there's so many people who don't have jobs and have lost jobs and have – I don't want to say fallen from grace, but, you know, their norm has been shaken up. To see someone be like – this is where I want to be buried. This is my happy place. I'm just like, mm, that's kind of icky. I will say, I do think, so I'm going to try and take my brain out of the COVID time space that we're in. I think some people might not realize how much money the Dallas women have. Like, I think they're easily top three wealthiest women or wealthiest. Oh, they're extremely wealthy. Cam, her family, when she was like, oh, we're going to have this party at my father-in-law's. And I saw that backyard and that house. I'm like, that is major wealth. And the town that they live in, Highland Park, is one of the richest cities in the entire country. Did not know that. Yeah, I was looking up because I was looking up Potomac the other day because I drove around Potomac over the weekend just to check out the homes and stuff. And I found like this particular area in Potomac that is one of the wealthiest and like top 10, you know, in the country. And then also on there was Highland Park, Texas. So that was so interesting. So you don't think Carrie's being like too... I guess she's getting a little bit of a villain edit edit for like, yeah. I I think it's interesting that her divorce isn't being covered. Like she Wait, casually, she's getting divorced. Didn't she? Okay, maybe maybe I misheard. I could have sworn she said like I went through a divorce because she had all oh, these. She got friends. divorced like twelve years earlier. And maybe that's what she was talking about. Have we seen her husband at all? Yeah, he was in this last episode briefly, but. To be fair, I, I caught up while I was working and I watched it on my phone. Also, he wasn't very memorable. Well, I guess he was kind of memorable, memorable last season for them, like potentially divorcing. Okay, I thought she was getting divorced. Never mind then. Then maybe, okay, that changes a lot of my thoughts. Not a lot, but I thought that, oh, she's getting divorced. So that's why she's acting out. Mm-mm. And I was, and again, not to excuse that behavior, but I kind of understand it. That's a huge life-changing moment. Okay, since that's not the case, at least not that we know of, then, okay, maybe she is being a bit of an asshole for no reason, because I thought she had a reason. But still, I'm like, there was the whole, like, drinking tequila thing. 
throwing someone in a pool like that's so where my, I think it kind of crossed a line. Yeah. For my housewarming, one of my girlfriends, she she was like, I'm gonna push you in your pool. And I was expecting it. And she kept, and I'm very, I will give her credit for this. She made sure I didn't have my phone on me, which is ironic considering I wound up dropping my phone in the hot tub on my own. <laughs> but yeah, you learn where your pool is very quickly uh, when you have your phone on you. Anyway, um, she didn't, my friend didn't just push me in the pool. She like linebacker. And I mean, I'm five, nine. I used to be 155 pre-COVID. Um, I'm like a pretty like average build person. And my friend is about 15 pounds heavier than me. She like linebackered me into the pool. I was pissed because it hurt so much the way she put me in the pool. I knew it was coming, but it was still such an inconvenience to be like, I'm in my clothes. I'm wet. I'm having a housewarming. I have to go dry off. I have to make myself like pushing someone in a pool with, I was irritated and I knew it was coming. Pushing someone in a pool when they're very, very drunk. Tiffany doesn't seem like the type that gets like blackout wasted very often. I feel like if, isn't med school like eight years? Like you don't have time to drink water, let alone get wasted. So I just feel like that was kind of an asshole move, but also it was a party. There is a pool there. Maybe expect, I don't know. I feel like they're going but to really single hard. her out That's and true. to push her when there's all these other women there. And she also doesn't swim and not that Carrie didn't know that, but she also wasn't in a swimsuit. I just, I don't think it was being done as much in good fun. That's true. It didn't feel fun. It right. Felt like, an attack. Yeah. Okay. That, that I can see, but like, also there was a moment and this I did see where she was like, I'm Tiffany. Like I have to be perfect for my mom and my husband and I have to get home to my house. And, and I was just like, okay, so here's the issue right here. Like yeah, you put all this and it's very clear that, you know, obviously her mother and father put a lot of pressure on her growing up, but she obviously is still carrying the, like, you're successful. You did it, girl. Like, have some fun now. I saw on her Instagram before the season started that she had some big news. And everyone, I think a lot of people thought she was going to announce she was pregnant. She was like, I'm going from working seven days a week to six. And I was like, okay, first of all, I would never accept a job that had me working weekends. So, wow, you're just a superhero. But you you were working seven days. So you work every day, like you've done it, give yourself a break. And that's, yeah. I think going to be part of her story is along with this whole chicken foot thing. I think that's going to be a big storyline, but like, I think that's going to be a big part of her character development is learning to let go of work a little bit, which I think that's important for everyone, but working seven days a week, that's asinine. But also the difference, I think, between her and the other women that have smaller kids Mm -hmm. is that she's not able to be at home with them during the day. And, you know, the others, Stephanie and, well, Stephanie's kids are getting older now. Brandy's kids, they're with her. They're with their kids. Cameron with their kids. And she's at work. And so then when she has time with her kids, it's really special. But she feels like, oh, maybe I'm not being as good of a mom because my kids don't want me to go to work. And especially now when the kids are at home with COVID and all of that, it's like even more pronounced that she's not around. And so I think, you know, I'm not as interested in that storyline because 
I don't want to see women with young kids and the problems that they have because that's not interesting to me. I prefer a housewife that's a bit older and who has older children. It's just my own preference. But I, I get where she's coming from. I do think it's interesting the more she can tell us about what the life is like of a doctor, because I think a lot of people are unfamiliar and also unfamiliar with how much responsibility her particular type of subspecialty has, which is she's an anesthesiologist. So during surgeries, she is responsible for keeping people alive, right? Yeah. It, keeping I mean, them sedated and alive. And so when she was like, okay, this has been a fun however many hours, but she does have a real job the next day and none of the others do, I could see how that would be really annoying very quickly. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. And I mean, yes, she does have a job where there's no room for error. Not, Mm -hmm. I mean, the error happens, you you probably go to jail. So, I mean, that's a lot of pressure that she's, put on herself. And obviously, you know, we need anesthesiologists, but it's, and you said something that triggered uh, something from a previous season in my head. It's very interesting to see the difference between Carrie Duber working in the medical field and Tiffany Moon working in the medical field, because Tiffany is like, I mean, her, it seems very serious what she does, where, and not, you know, there are people who become, you know, disfigured and need plastic surgery from, you know, house fires or car accidents. I absolutely understand plastic surgery has its, has its place where it is very serious and necessary. And it's not just, you know, oh, I want bigger boobs, but not that there's anything wrong with that, but Carrie, and she also worked with her husband, Carrie Duber was like, oh, hey, I'm here. Like, okay, I'm going to take some Botox home. And then like, you'll take naked photos of me. And then like, you know what, just, just close up shop. You know, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow. Let's call it a short, like she was so blase about her life in the medical industry. And her husband kind of seemed like that a little bit too, where like Dr. Moon is like, I, you know, I'm an anesthesiologist. I work seven days a week. Like, this, that, and the other, and it's just, they're two very different worlds. No, granted, it is I two also different think practice, but still wildly different. There's a couple of differences. So I think um, Dr. Moon works for a hospital, and I think the Dubers had a private practice yeah. where they can kind of control things. And with their private practice, and specifically in plastic surgery, a lot of people pay out of pocket and don't use insurance because insurance doesn't cover those types of things, too, which is like just makes it a little bit easier to run a business. But I do know, I think they focused more on like the med spa type aspect of their work. But I do know that um, at least Carrie Duber's husband, Mark, I can't remember his name. I think he gets called in for like emergencies sometimes for when there's like burn victims or reconstruction is needed and things like that. Yeah. So I believe most plastic surgeons, like they can be on call for things like that. So, but I don't think that was covered as much. Um, But they've talked about it a bit. Now they're, they both got their COVID vaccines and we're talking about it on Instagram and trying to educate people on it. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, Dubers. I love Katie Duber. Did you see that your parents got their first round today? On Twitter, or am I making? Yes, that up? yeah, my dad and stepmom—they got the Pfizer vaccine today. 
I'm thrilled. Do, are parents, I'm not like trying to like reveal who they are. Are they in the medical practice or is it an age no, thing? They are in Florida right now. So they spend okay. their winters in Florida and Florida is vaccinating people who are over 65. So they have spent nice. the last three weeks trying to find a place to get a vaccine and they've been calling okay. and they've been going on every goddamn website that every county in the nearest area is doing. And finally, someone was like, call this number. And they got a real person who told them to drive to Miami, which is like an hour and a half away. Mm -hmm. um, so they drove through Alligator Alley. They were at the stadium for two hours in line, almost ran out of gas. Oh, God. They got the vaccine. And them. they're That's super excited. No, the Pfizer no. vaccine. Yeah, it's okay. I'm sure they both work great. <laughs> but the interesting thing about Dr. Moon is, um, or Tiffany, I think she, like, I think working in a hospital during COVID is such a different, wildly different experience than what even working at a hospital is like otherwise. Oh, yeah. And especially during the summer where there was a huge surge in Texas and they're, they're filming. It's, it's wild. And they don't live like out in like, BFE, they live in like the biggest, or like I don't know demographics there, but like they live in one of the biggest a cities, huge city. And so, in the beginning, I think she had less work because elective surgeries were canceled. But you know, as but she's going into a hospital. It's just there's a lot of stress, and I have a lot of friends who are like in the medical profession, and it's been really, really tough. And it's I can't imagine what it must be like for her to like shower outside before oh, yeah. you go inside and hug your kids and constantly be thinking about decontamination um, and having to deal with patients who are sick and dying. And then to see these women gallivanting around with like face shields that, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, I, I would have a very hard time. And so I applaud I her. Like Bravo therapist. God, you put it in perspective. No. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Like that would drive me nuts. And actually, I mean, the only thing I can closely relate to is like, I have a nine to five, well, eight to five Monday through Friday job. Like my friends who are teachers, like I get insanely jealous and like irritated when they're like, why can't you come out on like a Tuesday at two? We're on spring break. I'm like, well, I don't get that. Like, and teachers deserve more pay all the time off. Like I'm not going down that road. I'm just like, I'm sure it's a similar feeling of like, I'd love to stay and get blackout with you, but I have surgery in the morning, which right. I thought about it. I actually, isn't being a doctor in what I'm about to say similar to a pilot. And then like, aren't you supposed to not drink a certain amount of time prior to a surgery? Like, I'm really hoping she didn't have anything to do. To, I was like, I would hate to be like, Oh, that was my anesthesiologist drinking the night before. Like, I'm hoping she. <laughs> I'm sure everything's fine, but it's like I wouldn't love to see that. Being like, I actually have to go to work tomorrow. It's like I hope you don't. You're wasted. It's so funny. I think that like different subspecialties like are known for different things. Fair like enough. I work with pediatricians and so like they're known as the, the people that get up really early and show up 10 minutes early to every meeting and like do all of their work and it, it's just like so funny and then you've got surgeons that I think are known for kind of living on the edge a little more. <laughs> well, I mean 
yeah, they cut people open and move things around. You have to, I, I it's think just, it's, it's just funny. I don't know what anesthesiologists are known for. If anyone's listening that works in anesthesiology or works in the medical profession, let us know. <laughs> But I just think there's just a lot of stress during COVID and it's, you know, and she's trying to get to know this group of women who just have no real responsibilities. I didn't even think about it, but that's kind of nuts for her to take. Not that she signed up being like, well, COVID's going to happen. So that'll be an extra stress. It sounds like her life was already really stressful to take on a reality show. Like that's really ballsy. Like you're, that's a whole nother beast. No one's ever been like, Oh yeah, my time on reality TV was great. Super stress reliever. It's like, no, I, I left weeping. <laughs> so I'm that's, I didn't think of it that way. That's really bold of her to take on yet another thing. I can't imagine. And I, I couldn't like handle all of those things. Like I just couldn't do it. But what did you think of uh, uh, Brandy's apology? Did you think it was sincere? Did you think, I, I don't did- think Brandy's a racist. I think she's just a dumbass. Yeah, I think it was sincere. Um, I guess it's not up to me to like accept the apology, you know, but um, I do think that there is an aspect of like, I'm not talking for Asian Americans, like when Asian, Asian Americans or Asians who watch Bravo want to call out this, like, I think they should talk about your experience, say how Brandy made you feel like about all of these things and how the other women are kind of forcing Brandy down Tiffany's throat, like all of that. But I think there are a lot of white women who are being kind of performative and, and kind of assholes and going after Brandy in a way that I don't think is helping move the discourse on anti-Asian racism. And I don't think it's helpful. And I do think it caused harm to Brandy. And yeah, she was suicidal. And I don't want to make light of someone. Yes, there is an aspect of like white fragility, like you're called Mm -hmm. out on your behavior and you're so fragile that you become suicidal or whatever it is. I do think it's really serious and I think people should take it seriously. And this type of kind of call out culture with we have with these Bravo celebrities, I think there's a way to do it to try and improve discourse and hold people accountable and then there is um, a part that I think is really dangerous and harmful. And I yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel like conflicted about it. I I think Brandy, it's like if we're not going to accept her apology, like whose apology are we going to accept? When will it be good enough? When, when is it good enough? Because people are going to mess up, specifically white people. We've all been socialized to be racist. Like our whole country has been socialized white to... White people are the best at messing up, unfortunately. You know? And, and so people are going to do it. They're going to do it on camera. And they're going to have to be held accountable. But I think everyone's definition of accountability is different. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets confusing. Like, does it mean they have to be deplatformed? Does it mean they can no longer be on this TV show? Does it mean they have to say they're sorry, but then do something to prove how much they understand the Asian American experience? I, I don't know what the answer is, but right. I don't think continuing to like hate Brandy just for that is helpful. And just calling her out for her racist behavior is she was called out and and she apologized. And I, I hope that this was I hope she bonds with Tiffany. I hope they become like good friends 
And oh, yeah. like, I mean, that that's what be... I want to see. Exactly. You know? But I think, I mean, you and I were talking earlier. It, like you said, like whose apology are we going to buy and how far do we want to take it? Like when Brandy said she was suicidal and that she had to go away, not had to, but chose to, you know, I believe she said seek treatment or whatever, however she phrased it. She went to inpatient treatment for depression. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is probably my white fragility speaking, but I, I don't like when my friends are mad at me. I cannot fathom having thousands of people online screaming and and she fucked up like no one's denying that but like is it going to improve the situation to scream at her and tell her to kill herself like and god forbid if she like if she did yeah is that the end result people wanted over a jackass video like we can all agree that was a dumbass video and she looked stupid doing it but like and I mean, that's a whole different podcast yeah. talking about like, what end result we want. But it's just, I'm, and I'm glad that Tiffany, I don't want to say spun it because that sounds like there was an agenda or something, but like that she kind of turned it to be like, I hear your apology, but let me tell you my story. And yeah. kind of was like, apology heard. I don't know if she accepted it, but, and not that she has to. I heard your apology, but now learning starts right now. And yeah. I, I, I really appreciated that aspect of it being like, I'm not gonna, you know, put you down anymore. It seems like that has definitely been taken care of, but now you're going to start learning right now, which I was like, yes, I wish we had more of that and less sort of like you messed up, you should kill yourself. It's like, wow. Then I, this planet's going to be empty pretty quick. <laughs> so. And it, it sucks that it's always the onus is on the minority or the person who yeah. like to teach everyone else. Um, but I guess I understand it as like a Jewish person to kind of have to sort of teach other people around me about anti-Semitism. Most of like a lot of my friends, some of them had never been friends with Jews before me or didn't grow up around any Jewish people. Um, they're not from California. But if you didn't grow up in a large city or in a certain part of a city, you would never know Jewish people. Like, we congregate in cities, <laughs> in the United States at least, and then in certain neighborhoods, and certain because of places we weren't allowed in Minneapolis, we weren't allowed to buy property in certain areas. Oh, until the 1950s. Oh, my God. That's another thing. And I, I, like I said, I feel like we, there could be a whole podcast on this, but like, no, a lot of these big systemic issues weren't that long ago. Like when you said that just now, I was like, please tell me she means like very, very, very long time ago. It's like, Oh, the fifties. Okay. So that was only like 70 years ago. Like there are people, someone, I saw something on Instagram that said like Betty White just turned 99. If Rosa Parks and MLK were still alive today, they would be this age, which I believe was in the nineties. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where it just goes to show like yeah. Betty White was probably in her twenties or something and was like, Oh my god, all this is going on. Like it <laughs> wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. All this happened. So when for you to just say the fifties now in Minneapolis, it's not like you said like a town no one's heard of where like, you know, bigotry is rampant. It's Minnesota. Like it's a very big city in a 
in our country. Like that's, I'm, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. That's and there is, um, growing up, I remember there was a country club. It was a Jewish country club that I knew people that belonged to. And the reason they had it is because Jews weren't allowed until much more recently to join any clubs where you could swim or play tennis or anything like that. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of history of anti-Asian racism, anti-black racism, all kinds of stuff. Islamophobia is huge in this country, especially after 9-11. Anti-Semitism is rearing its ugly head. And so, you know, as a Jew, I feel like I have to educate people when they say things that are offensive. Um, and I try my best to remember that we live in a society that like teaches people offensive things. And so they're going to say those things. And so the more I can do to like bring people and like identify racist behavior, but not call them racist, because I just don't think it achieves the end goal, which is to like move people along the spectrum. Yeah. You know, and and for me, when I mess up, I hope people treat it with kindness and educate me and like try to draw me towards being anti-racist because I don't know everything, right? I don't know what it's like to be black in this country and I appreciate learning from people. And so, and I think Brandy is ignorant and is realizing she's ignorant and I think she appreciates being called out and is trying to be better, you know? I mean, I hope so. I don't know her, but you know, no, I, I'm, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Like I think education is key. It's, I don't think demonizing. No, I mean, obviously there are certain factions of our society where, you know, it, it's more than just making, you know, a stupid video. There are obviously horrendous things happening out there where those people I don't think education is key. I think some people do need, you know, not the suicide thing, but like, I think there are some people who need tough love and I'm not saying violence. It's just some people need, maybe they do need to have something shouted at them. There are some people who are just so vile that maybe need to lose their jobs. Right. So they like, you know, storm the Capitol wearing a neo-Nazi shirt and then are like, wow, I don't get to go to my job on Monday. No, you don't like Brian, like (laughs) lost that privilege. Yes. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Like that some people only learn with tough love with consequences. Exactly. And if you're that vile, then yes, there are consequences to your actions. She made a, really really stupid video tiffany now granted we'll see how the season pans out tiffany seemed to see that as a learning opportunity and again like you said it's not for me to judge however if if i was brandy in that situation i would thank my lucky stars that i have someone so intelligent in front of me who was like obviously this person made a mistake and they need a they need a lesson and I'm here to teach it. So I, I hope things stay good between them. Um, I do get a little worried that we've had two. Now, granted the Brandy thing technically happened right after Leanne, but the reunion filmed not in time, but I start to get worried that like Texas, which is, you know, a, a state in the South, which recently I heard people from Texas or someone told me Texas is not a Southern state. I was like, I, 
I don't know about they're that. They're just Texas. They're like their yeah. own thing. It's exactly. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, there is this reputation in Texas. Not that that's entirely fair, but that like, you know, oh, it's notoriously Republican, even though it was almost flipped, which it's a bummer it wasn't. That there's, okay, we had the thing with Leanne. Now we have this thing with Cameron and the chicken feet and the, um, what were we just talking about? Brain fart. Like Like Tiffany and Brandy. Yeah. But I just, I worry that it's like, oh gosh, there's a lot that has to do with, and I'm glad that it is being shown in the sense that like, this is a real problem in our country and it does need to be addressed. That aspect I, I like, but there is the aspect of escapism. And I understand that's a, a privilege to escape any sort of bigotry or, you know, hate for just who you were born as. But I just, I don't want that to become like, well, this season we've brought on, you know, someone from the middle East. It's like, Oh, okay. I please don't, I, I just don't want them to make this like a repeating thing. And I feel like with cam and what did cam cam said something so stupid today that I like, I had to pause it and walk out of the room. She was like, you understand you've just, Oh, she accused Tiffany as like of stereotyping Chinese people. And it was like, but no, no, she's saying this is our cuisine. Yeah. This is part of our culture. We eat chicken feet in China. It is part of Chinese like cultural food. You know, it'd be like saying matzo ball soup's not Jewish. Like it is Jewish. You could say whatever you want. Like that's where it comes from. Like, <laughs> you know, like one of those things where I'm just like, I don't again, I'm happy it's being addressed because, you know, there are so many issues with people and how they deal with other people's race and religion and you know, gender and sexuality and all that. But I'm also like, oh, I just, I don't want to, that's what I have the news for. Unfortunately, I wish the news was more positive, but I feel like if that's why I don't watch the news a lot these days, but it's like, oh, you know, a synagogue was burned down or, you know, there was this or that. And I'm just like, I don't, Cam. And again, I don't, do I think Cam's a racist? (laughs) No, I think she suffers from the same jackass disease that Brandy suffers from, which is just ignorance. So I'm curious how this is all going to pan out. I do worry with another thing I worry about with this is I'm worried it's going to be, and I'm not comparing racism to what I'm about to say, but I'm worried it's going to be like panty gate or uh, what's it called? Puppy gate. Puppy gate. Like it's going to be this one thing that gets drawn out like the chicken or I think, um, Tiffany said, she was like, is this foot gate? And I was just like, when she said that, I was like, take it back, take it back. Don't say that. So I'm hoping this isn't the one thing we draw on because we didn't really. Cam just doesn't let things go. And I, I, that's frustrating. I wish we could move forward, but I also hope Tiffany wasn't just brought on to educate people about what it means to be from China. Like I'm interested in the rest of her life and I think we'll hopefully get it. And, and I'm, I'd like to learn more about her husband. Like, Obviously, he's some sort of, not that, you know, she can't be the breadwinner. Obviously, she makes plenty of good money. But for him to be like, well, then I'm just going to make a wine label. And we have a wine, not just a wine cellar, a wine cave. I was like, 
oh, this is a different level of wealth. Like, and this apparently, um, my guest last week is from Dallas, and he says the biggest deal about that is that there are no basements in Dallas. So the fact that they had a house constructed with a wine cellar where you could like see the rock that the house was built on is a huge architectural like phenomenon. He was like, I don't, I've never seen a basement in all of Dallas. And I grew up there for over like 18 years. Yeah. I was going to say in places like Texas and Oklahoma, they have storm shelters, but they don't have basements. So I didn't even think of it that way. He didn't even have, he says in Dallas, there's no storm shelters. You go into the bathroom. Interesting. I was like, Ooh, as a Minnesotan, I would not feel comfortable going in my bathroom during a tornado. Like you guys in Minnesota have plenty of basements. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's almost uncommon to have. Everyone has a basement. It's like a whole thing. Which I've, I'm so bummed. Like I remember I was like, Oh, it'd be so great when we were looking for a house. I was like, we could find a house with a basement. It's like, you live in earthquake country. You don't get basements. You'll get crushed. <laughs> and it's like, I understand, but it seems so cool. But um, yeah, no, I think, I hope we learn more about, like, it was nice to learn about, you know, her mom and the, I really, really liked the little girls. I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, Ugh, COVID, I don't want to relive it. But I thought it was very interesting as someone who doesn't have children to be like, well, why can't we hug Grammy? And it's, mm-hmm. I really... I didn't enjoy it like, oh, it was fun and light, but it was just interesting to see like, well, no, like there's sick people out there and that's why we have the masks on. It's like, well, we have our masks on and you just said she's my mom. Like, it's interesting to see that dynamic. So yeah, like you said, I hope she's not just there as like, oh, well, we had Leanne last season and that was really bad. So let's bring on, oh, you know, someone super rich from Asia. It's like, no, 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 no. Bring her on because she's dynamic and she has a lot to bring to the table. And, you know, obviously the wealth aspect, do that. Don't, not because she's Asian. So, totally. and I, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I'm also interested to see, cause Beverly Hills, you know, is starting to diversify, which I think it's asinine that it took so long for Beverly Hills to diversify because it's LA. LA is a huge melting pot. Like it's the second biggest city in the country. And I mean, there's someone from everyone or from everywhere here. Like how did it take so long? So I'm, I'm curious to see how that's all going to work out. And um, I guess, I guess that leaves what Jersey is the last. I'm excited for Jersey. I'm excited for Jersey too. The trailer looked really, really good. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't see a lot that like focused on, now, granted, I watched it last week, and I don't remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. But I don't – was there a lot that, like, addressed the pandemic? It sounds like – No, not- it's like they operate without the pandemic. It is amazing. <laughs> Which will be interesting to see if they're just, like – because I can see Teresa being like, oh, I forgot my mask. And it's like, did you forget or do you not just care or both? Like, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle it because, yeah, there wasn't anything – in Dallas, they were like, how are we handling the pandemic? we are taking it seriously. Like we wear a mask and it was someone with a Chewbacca mask. Like they address it right off the bat. So it'll be interesting to see how Jersey handles it. But I also, I think they filmed like primarily over the summer and fall. And when it was a little lower, it was really low in that area of the country during that time. And so people were still, I think very shell shocked by what happened in New York city and in New Jersey in the spring. 
But I mean, if I remember checking the rates regularly, and they were like, pretty low during that time. So I don't know if they were able to do more vacations or be out on the shore or what it is. But I am, for one, thankful that they did not um, film during November and December and January when it is absolutely disgusting in New Jersey and none of it is aspirational. So I'm excited to see it in another season. <laughs> it is kind of nice to see, like, I I think it would be nice to shift. And I mean, I guess we got it whether we wanted it or not. Like, things were delayed and therefore, like, I remember there was an episode of OC where, like, uh, when we met Lizzie, like, uh, Lizzie had an ugly sweat Christmas sweater party and mm-hmm. that and they met the Dubros and like it'd be nice to see a shift in all I'd love to see Christmas in Orange County and summer back east like in on the west coast I mean it was 95 degrees here last weekend like I would love to see what it's like like let's let's go to the beach in New York and have mm-hmm. a beach day I don't know if that's a thing people do but Show me if it's true. I don't know. I'm <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think it would be so interesting to see, you know, different holidays or, you know, New Jersey, they had that notorious Thanksgiving episode where Teresa and Joe go to the turkey farm and they're like, we don't want that turkey. It looks terrified. But like, I'd love to see different holidays and have it shifted. So, I mean, I guess we kind of got that a little bit, especially with Jersey. So I don't know. Do you think we'll ever get I, I know it's like super late where you are so this will be my last question I <laughs> but, um do you think we'll ever get Vanderpump Rules back or do you think it'll be a spinoff or do you think it's all done I think we'll get Vanderpump Rules back because I don't think they would have fired Jax unless they knew they were going to rehire the rest of them and That's I fair. think I mean I know LA is the epicenter of the epidemic right now. So there's no way that anything could film safely, given what's happening. But I think at some point, maybe they'll go back to their regular schedule, like with the summer, right with like May, June, July, August, Mm -hmm. and we'll get Vanderpump back in the fall. But I do think I'm hoping it will center more on Tom Tom, and more with like Tom and Ariana and Tom and Katie kind of being the The elder statesman (laughs) of Vanderpump and with, but I hope they have some new people who have real relationships with the cast, not people who were cast to be on the show, but people who they're actually friends with. And I'd be fine seeing more friends of and less like full-time cast. Absolutely. And also I, so I love Sheena share a birthday with her. I don't want to see baby journeys. I don't, it's not that I don't care. And I think, okay, maybe with her, I'll make an exception for her, not because I stand her and we share a birthday. I'll make an exception for her because, you know, I'm not valuing rainbow babies higher than any other baby. But I mean, you're a parent, if you're a parent in whatever regard you become a parent, that's beautiful and fascinating. But it's not just a rainbow baby with her. So she, her and I have the same diagnosis. We've like been talking on Instagram. We have like oh early, um, what is it called? Like ovarian failure. Oh my so God. yeah. So like our ovaries are both starting to fail. 
Um, her mine are way worse than hers, but hers aren't so great. So she froze her eggs because she really? wasn't sure that she could ever get pregnant or mm-hmm. that she would even have eggs left when she wanted to become a parent because of her labs. We have we like compared labs on Instagram. It's like the only person I've like she was so amazing. She I've been freezing my eggs as a result of my ovarian failure. Um my journey's not been as successful as hers, but you know, I'm and so it's a really big deal that she got pregnant not once but twice. And so even though she lost the baby, she was so thankful that she could get pregnant because it meant maybe next time it would work. And so for her to be able to have a baby is like a very big deal given what her diagnosis is. And I just don't think a lot of people, I don't think she talks about it in a way that a lot of people understand. And they didn't highlight why she was freezing her eggs during the entire season. I didn't know. Um, Amanda from It's All Happening um, sent me a fertility blog where they interviewed her and she was like, yeah. I think Sheena has the thing you have. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And she froze her eggs going through what I'm going through. And they didn't talk about why. Yeah, that's. I was livid. And so, and she told me which like, you know, n- nutrition stuff to take. And she's like, run it by your doctor. But like, I've been taking these supplements. I'm on the Sheena supplements. I'm taking them. My doctor says they're good. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good silver lining for I mean no one wants to be diagnosed with anything but that's yeah. a good silver lining but uh, that's such a bump it's it's kind of like I mean not I won't compare them but it's like with Charlie like when she was on Ryan's podcast she was like well there's a reason I am like weird about my food and like as someone mm-hmm. who had an eating disorder I like picked up I was like oh she's well and that's why I bring it back to Dallas really quick. Like I thought it was bizarre that she was like, you have to eat the chicken. Like I don't, I think it's very ballsy too. And I understand she was just trying to get her to experience a little bit of culture Mm -hmm. in her pink bubble. But I think it's very dangerous sometimes to be like, you have to eat this. You have to eat this. You have to try this. Or drink to eat or drink anything is it's not first of all, like you don't know this person's background. Like what if they're on medication? What if they're not supposed to be eating a certain thing. Like I take medication. I can't have grapefruit, which is pretty common and easy to avoid. But it's one of those things where it's like, it's just when, when someone's putting something in their body, just be very careful what you're pushing. You don't know what that person's going through. So it's kind of, it's interesting that I think that would humanize, especially as the cast of Vanderpump Rules is getting older, it would humanize them a little more. Now, granted, Vanderpump Rules is like our favorite trash show, but you can get younger people for that who haven't had, you know, quite the stuff that certain people have gone through. Like with Charlie and Sheena, it's like, why wouldn't you guys highlight that? Like there's, I have plenty of friends. I, I personally don't have the desire to have children. So I've never gotten anything tested, but I, I mean, a lot of my friends who have kids have had to go through IVF or, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a friend who has endometriosis. Like why wouldn't you highlight that? That's such a, common thing these days like that's a real loss and I'm sure Sheena well and I'm sure Sheena would have talked about it at least to some degree and same with Charlie eating disorders like they did I think they did talk about some of it and then it just never aired like I think Charlie had like a conversation at one point where she explained and then I'm assuming Sheena must have said well I you know went in for this testing and I found out I had premature ovarian failure or I was almost 
you know, I was borderline. See, that's almost worse. It's like you have it. You're just going, ah, this isn't going to get eyes. It's like, okay, well, throw Kristen in afterwards to do something stupid. Also, like, I challenge anyone judging Sheena to inject yourself with as much much hormones as we've injected ourselves with and try to go through not crying. Okay? I challenge you because she was crying about not about guides. She was freaking on like her estrogen is through the roof when you're taking yeah. this stuff. It's a mess. So yeah, I'm I'm a total Sheena fan and I can't wait to see her back on my screen. <laughs> well, and some of the stuff she like shows on Instagram, like the messages she gets, I'm just like, A, I just I'm that's and I'm not tooting my own horn. It's just called being a decent human. But like I just don't understand like where it is in people to be like she posted something the other day that was like you stupid whore like you don't deserve I don't know if it was you don't deserve a baby or like you should or maybe it was Robin that posted someone posted something where that like people just slide into their dms they're like you're a dumb whore like you should kill yourself I'm like that should be illegal like that should be a law like that if you tell someone to kill yourself like you should maybe not jail time because our jail system has a lot too many people in it but like you should suffer consequences. Like, especially I'm not, well, actually Robin and Sheena are great examples. Like with the black lives matter movement and like police brutality, like telling a black person, telling anyone to kill themselves, but like, especially right now in this current climate, like, and then for Sheena who has worked so hard to get a child, like, again, I don't know what it's like to go through any of those medical procedures, but like, I don't, I get a shot and I pass out. Like I can't have them <laughs> do it to myself. Yeah. It's not easy. Potentially not having the results you want. So like to tell someone that I just, I don't know where people get off, but hopefully uh, don't people are crazy. Well, Mallory, thank you so much for being on the show. This was this such was a great conversation. Um, tell everyone where they can find you and then where they can find your merch. So uh, my Instagram handle is Real House Pins OC, uh, spelled just like you think it is. And then there's a link to my shop at the top of my Instagram page. You can find me on Etsy. But also, I like to kind of promote all of the Etsy creators. When I say all, I mean like 99% of them. There are a handful out there that I have my issues with, but that's a story for a different time. But there are so many creative people out there that you know do mugs the reason I started my shop is because of Kay from gold half moon co. Mm-hmm. I call her my wife. She and I have developed such an amazing friendship. Um, there's so many incredible shops out there and there we're all working our hardest to get you guys your stuff as fast as possible. And it's not our fault that the U S postal service doesn't have the funds or the employees to get it to you faster. <laughs> so, here, here. Well, I'm just saying like, cut us some slack y'all but no if you want to search for my stuff in particular searching for you know housewives magnets i specialize in magnets and stickers and pins but really if you search just for real housewives there's so many talented individuals out there who work really hard to get everyone merch so go out there and support them and be nice to them too Awesome. Well, I will put a link in the notes for the episode to your directly to your Etsy shop absolutely thank you so much and we will be in touch we have to have this like more conversations because i'm going to keep picking your brain on things almost 
midnight where you are I could <laughs> like, no. hours, but I feel like you're probably so tired so thank you so much for having me and we'll be talking more for sure for sure take care bye Nine one one, what's your emergency? Señora, me está diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta. Sí, yo pensé que que sería cruzar el río iba rápido, creo, y después, ay, Dios mío, qué horror. No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Nitsa. So, let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.